Hello and welcome to That Film Stew. I'm Jason. And I'm Luke. We're the guys from That Film Stew and this is our year in review 2022. In this annual special episode, we'll look back at the year that was 2022 in film and TV and let you know what our worst and favourite movies of 2022 were. Every time we do this, it's like we say the year too many times. <laughs> it's, it, it becomes weird. All right. In what felt like a proper return to normalcy, movies were coming out in cinemas. Sometimes they would go straight to streaming, but usually it was cinema first and then streaming a couple months later. Feels good. Um, the movie going experience in the modern world seemed to be back and people were going. The billion dollar movies had made their return. But taking a closer look at my own little world, big changes, like a new addition to the family, I found myself having watched Paw Patrol the movie more times than I'm comfortable with. Granted, that was a 2021 movie, so I can't put that on any list today. Um, we are here to talk about the movies and, to a lesser extent, the TV of 2022. There's nothing better than movies on the big screen and no movies better to see on a big screen than big blockbusters. Except maybe well-written, well-acted, visually appealing and creative films with great characters that don't insult your intelligence. So here are some of the blockbusters that came out in 2022. Moonfall, Uncharted, Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, and Jurassic World Dominion. I know that one in particular hurt you, Jason. But they weren't all bad. We got a more artist blockbuster film in The Northman. The action was wild in Bullet Train. And there were some smaller movies that felt like they could have had the blockbuster status like The Grey Man. I'm going to say to a lesser extent, Samaritan. <laughs> But 2022 would not be the year it was without the two highest grossing films, Top Gun Maverick and, should surprise nobody, maybe surprises you, Jason, but Avatar, The Way of Water. Look, I'll admit when I'm wrong, all right? The movie will get to... Anyway, <laughs> yeah, look. I sat here on this podcast and declared that Avatar The Way of Water would do well, but wouldn't make silly amounts of money. Um, I sat here and declared that Avatar The Way of Water would not reach $2 billion. It's going to reach $2 billion. Stupid blue people. Um, but let's, <laughs> let's move on. Speaking of big blockbuster movies that uh, make lots of money usually, we can't go past the Marvel movies. In a year where Marvel Studios had a big presence on the small screen and more Disney Plus shows and those new special presentations, um, they still provided big screen outings in the way of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, and Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Some mixed reviews for those three, but overall still a successful year for Marvel. 2022 was also the year Sony put out Morbius. Good for you, Sony. Not so much for us, but good for you, Sony. <laughs> if you think Sony have troubles, just take a look at the year DC had. With what was set to be a huge year with multiple DC films scheduled to come out, ended up being a year of cancelled projects, bumped movies, post-credit scenes that won't go anywhere, and a big 
reset button on the horizon. We kicked the year off with Robert Pattinson taking on the role of a young Bruce Wayne in The Batman. We had an animated outing with the DC League of Super Pets and the DCEU gave us their single 2022 entry in Black Adam. At least we got Peacemaker. Peacemaker was fun, wasn't it? (laughs) The movie industry is really making an effort to include more diversity. And the range of horror movies that we got in 2022 couldn't be more diverse. We start off with another Scream movie. There was another Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They remade Firestarter and brought back Hellraiser. Can't forget Jeepers Creepers Reborn. They tried to do a prequel to Orphans. Uh, They tried to do a prequel to Orphan with First Kill. Um, And they more than likely killed the Halloween franchise with Halloween Ends. All of that aside, it wasn't just sequels, reboots, and remakes. Things were kept fresh with movies like, well, fresh. Uh, We had some new entries in No Exit, Barbarian, and Smile. Idris Elba punched a lion in Beast. Ethan Hawke made us uncomfortable in The Black Phone. And Jordan Peele roped us in with Nope. One of the more recent flicks, which recently landed on Disney Plus, is The Menu. But uh, one of the year's biggest gems was X, which was also followed shortly after by a prequel, Pearl. Some sci-fi. The Adam Project was fun. Prey was really well done. And then there's the craziness of it all in everything, everywhere, all at once. I'm probably jumping uh, here, but there was a new Christmas movie starting Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds that I thought would become a new addition to the yearly watch of Christmas movies. Spirited. It was fun. Um, but I, I, I never want to watch that movie again. My own personal opinion, though, uh, which is what it's all about. Then we have something completely different in Violent Night, where David Harbour is Santa and hurts some bad guys violently at night time. I think just like Die Hard, I might have to <laughs> pair Violent Night as an annual viewing. What a lot of fun that movie was. At least 2022, we could laugh again. Whether it was silly off-brand goofy comedy like Jackass Forever, The Lost City, Confess Fletch, The Bubble, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, or The Monsters. Or maybe you wanted something a little more romance in your comedies like Marry Me, or Weird the Al Yankovic Story, the love story between Weird Al and Madonna. So I guess it qualifies. We also got the Bob's Burgers movie and the emotional roller coaster that is Clerks 3. Top the year off with some funny murder mysteries, such as See How They Run and Glass Onion, a lives out mystery. And 2022 has shaped up well in the comedy department. Speaking of murder mysteries, uh, did you check out Death? on the Nile or where the crawdads sing. Uh, things were getting pretty dramatic in movies like Elvis, The Woman King, Ambulance, and contra- the controversial Marilyn Monroe biopic film, Blonde. Speaking of controversies, Don't Worry Darling was probably talked about more for all the wrong reasons. 
although I enjoyed it. Uh, Steven Spielberg brought his most personal story to life in The Fablemans, and the word is hot for Brendan Fraser in The Whale. Life's too serious for all that drama. Sometimes you just need to sit back, relax, and watch some wholesome family kids' flicks. It feels like so long ago since Hotel Transylvania, Transformia, and the Ice Age Adventures of Buckwild came out. It was good to see Zach Braff and Gabriel Union together in New Chief by the Dozen. Disney had another big year. Pixar gave us Turning Red and Toy Story spin-off Lightyear. We got a live-action Pinocchio, a long-awaited sequel to Hocus Pocus, a follow-up to Enchanted in Disenchanted, and an original animated film that Disney didn't bother to advertise. Strange World. Limited theatrical release popped up on Disney Plus. That's where that's where I watched it. A highlight of the year was meeting Ugly Sonic in Disney's Chippendale Rescue Rangers. We got legitimate Sonic in Sonic the Hedgehog 2. There were the bad guys. There were minions in The Rise of Gru. Owen Wilson was a superhero with his own secret headquarters, and Puss in Boots made a triumphant return in Puss in Boots, The Last Witch. There was a singing crocodile in Lyle, Lyle Crocodile, singing everywhere in Matilda, the musical, and some new tunes in Pinocchio. Yep, we got another one. That one might not be for kids, though. <laughs> um Having done that run, though, I realize now that 2022 is mostly a blur. Um, but it's worth noting that I was sleep deprived for the most of it. Um, it is honestly a year that I unfortunately have to say that I have not watched as many movies as I would have liked to or normally would have done. It was pretty much a, a fairly busy year. So, yeah, when we get into it, you'll I'll talk a little bit more about what I haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> What about TV? Did you find time to watch all of the great TV content that 2022 had to offer? I watched as much as I could. Um, there was some stuff I wish I hadn't wasted my time on. <laughs> talking to you, She-Hulk. Um, yeah. Look, we won't go into a full dive of TV. Otherwise, we'll be here forever. And like I said, we're busy. Um, but we will discuss shortly our favorite TV shows of the year. Before we get to that, as always, we want to take this opportunity to give a shout out to the people who have made this year a success for us. Neil Wyasinger, he did our podcast logo oh, years ago at this point, but we always like to give him a we'll shout, give out. A shout out once each, a year, which is great. <laughs> each year. I want to give a shout out to Jay, my regular co-host on Sounds Like Comics and also Nathan, who has stepped up this past year and done quite a few episodes. Rob, your co-host, Rewind in Review. You guys did Titanic recently. And what did you do before that? Yes, we did something. You guys do seem to have time between episodes. So that's fair. Okay, but your most recent episode titanic so it makes thank it you makes review a little bit more special it <laughs> does it does um blue moon. sounds blue like moon. comics is special in its own right and the wives we need to always 
thank the wives because without them, I'm going to say allowing us to do this. <laughs> I've time away from I feel the like without them. Without them doing this would probably be easier, to be honest. But we can't say that. So but with <laughs> them in our lives, and then yes, which allowing anyway. Thank you, wives. Yes, it's all I yeah, really that's... wanted to say. They're not listening to this anyway. We can badmouth them. They'll never. I mean, <laughs> I know my wife isn't listening, so there we go. <laughs> I'm confident mine is not either. So that aside, all seriousness, um, I don't know where I'm going with that. But yes, thank you to, to all these people. And um, obviously, great to have you all on the team in some way or another. Um, but look, let's let's get into it. Let's start talking about the year, all the best stuff. We're going to start with the TV stuff. I feel like I'm saying stuff too much. That's okay. <laughs> I'm tired. We're just going to see how we get through this. Um, we're going to do the best TV of 2022. We've got three each that we want to present as our favorite. Yes, it is three. I was like, I, I was worried for a second. I thought I only wrote down two. We're all good. We're on track. Let's do this before I butcher this anymore. Would you like to start off? <laughs> I, th I think I need to set the reins. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I will start now. My my number three. It is a show that not only did I start watching, I immediately loved and couldn't wait to watch the next episode. I went out and bought the book that it's actually actually based on i'm recommending or not even recommending my number three is reacher season one starring alan richson as jack reacher we'd had reacher before with the two tom cruise movies but those movies and this show is based on the Jack Reacher novel series by Lee Child. Specifically, this first season is based on the first book, The Killing Floor. Watched the show, absolutely loved it, recommended it to anybody that would listen. Amazon have picked it up for, or I should say Prime Video. That's what they like to go by. Prime Video has picked it up for a second season, so I'm really keen to see what we get from that second season. But this show is just great. It essentially plays like a movie. It's set up like a TV series, but episode two picks up where episode one ended and so on throughout each episode as we get to the finale. It's one big story. And Alan Richson is fantastic. I'd seen him before as Aquaman in Smallville, I think he was Michelangelo in the Michael Bay uh, Turtles movie. He was Hawk in the Titans DC show. So I've seen him around and he's always been good. Reacher is his show. He absolutely owns the show. And I picked it as my number three because, again, like not only was I gripped watching it week to week, I started buying the books. I mean that's yeah, that 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 really says something. Um, I mean, look, I've heard great things um about the show. I don't think I don't think I've heard a bad thing about it, which is pretty pretty solid. I'm yet to jump on board, but I will I will get onto that. And hell, maybe 
I won't buy the books, but maybe I'll check out that Tom Cruise movie that came out as well. Why not? I do like that first Tom Cruise movie, but honestly, like now I've read the first book and watching first season of the show, the TV series is what you should go to. But again, I do like that Jack Reacher movie, the first one, but this, the show, if you're unfamiliar, Jack Reacher, a veteran military police investigator, has recently entered civilian life when he is falsely accused of murder. That's it. He turns up in a town. Nobody knows who he is. He's a suspect. He's very capable. Oh, but honestly, it is. It's not. I mean, there is twists and turns. I don't mean to give it a disservice, but it's not overly complicated. It's it's almost like a Western, like a man with no name turns up to a new town, and then everything just unravels. It's brilliant. Mm. Really is good. All right. My number three that, that I've got, I'm going for The Resort. This is a dark comedy mystery series. Um, it's on Peacock in in the States, and I think we got it on Stan or, or something here in Australia. Yep, um, we've got William Jackson Harper. You probably know him as... Um, the, the guy from The Good Place. We've got Kristen Malotti, the mother from How I Met Your Mother. They're a married couple. They're on vacation. I'm at this holiday resort. And then suddenly they're thrown into this, this mystery. Um, and then we've got flashbacks to a previous time with the, you know, with these young, these two young folks and they're sort of falling for each other as well but it's like where have they gone there was a storm there's all this stuff going on there's lots of questions it's on and it's what i like to think i think they're on an island i'm not even really sure but look there's there's jungle life and there there's flashbacks so that always gets me excited if you if you know why this was a pretty delightful surprise it sort of came out of nowhere i knew nothing about it i think this is something actually you recommended to me i think i can't remember but probably um, i did i, I recommend probably, i recommended it on the movie show yeah but from the get-go it was it was give me the next episode and i think that's my approach to the three shows that i've picked here for, for 2022 it's like literally they might not be the most well-crafted you know like put together shift but it's just I was watching them and I just couldn't get enough i wanted to watch the next episode as soon as possible and i couldn't get enough and this is the first one that sort of kick things off loads of fun i imagine you watched and finished this yeah no i've watched and finished it but but i think you've accidentally spoiled how i met your mother for me i've not watched that final season and now i know who the mother is or at least i know who the actress is (laughs) it's been a it's been a long time it has been a while how do they meet but how do they meet something to do with a yellow umbrella i don't care enough if i'm honest but um (laughs) yeah the resort i mean it is it's a, it's a great show and just that that mystery you've got the two time periods present day is trying to find out what happened years earlier and obviously without spoiling it but yeah and i i really enjoyed this and the people behind this made the andy sandberg movie palm springs which is also a prime video yes and she's in that as well uh, that is also a that's a prime video exclusive here in Australia, but Palm Springs was great. And that's what made me want to watch the resort in the first place. Yeah. Great pick. Yeah. Got one. And the show just gets, again, I can't reveal too much, but it, it's 
there's just surprises and it goes in a direction and you're just like, oh, we're doing this now. And I'll leave it at that. (laughs) That's what's great about it. It's like, it's not network television. Like it's a streaming show. And some of the episodes, it just, the ends and it's like, well, that was odd. Or, oh, that's where you're going to leave it. And then you wait for the next one. But they can do things that you couldn't do on network television because maybe they'd think that, audiences wouldn't get it or not like yeah. it so we'll they can lose, just we'll lose viewers that's and it. lose advertisers and it's a different ballpark tv is crazy that's it so my my number two is a whodunit is a murder mystery <laughs> and it's Ooh. one that i just bloody loved and i loved it so much the after party such a good show this is a apple tv plus series starring Tiffany Haydish, Sam Richardson, Ben Schwartz, Dave Franco. This, oh man, this is one, like you were saying with the resort, wife and I was watching and we just had to watch that next episode. And we've been Apple TV Plus. They, I think with new series, they might release maybe the first three episodes, then it's weekly. I think that's how they release them. But I do know... I was waiting weekly on a Friday for that next episode to find out what is happening because with the after party, a murder takes place on one night. Police are involved, Tiffany Haydish, and each episode she's interviewing somebody different and they're giving their version of events. But what makes it even more interesting their version of events is a specific genre so it's just one's like a detective noir one's like an action movie like a fast and the furious film honestly the after party is absolutely fantastic and it's by lord and miller who you would know from into the spider-verse the jump street movies lego movie it's those guys it is such a good show but if you are unfamiliar when a high school reunions after party ends in a stunning death everyone is a suspect a detective grills the former classmates one by one uncovering potential motives as each tells their version of the story and then it cultivates in the shocking truth this is a great comedy drama who done it loved every minute of it and apparently we're getting a second season which my hope would be tiffany hadish coming back similar to daniel craig as benoit blanc and she is the through line moving mm. forward but it, honestly yeah, it is it's great honestly i talk to people do you have netflix yep Paramount Plus, yeah, Stan, I can go all through the streaming services and I'll get to Apple TV Plus. I don't have that one. So many people that I know don't have that one. That's where this is available. I was very fortunate. I got a new iPhone, so I got Apple TV Plus free for a year. Yeah, That's how I was able to watch it. But so many people that I know, I'll recommend things they have available. And they're like, do you know what? That sounds really good. Where's that streaming? Apple TV Plus, I'm out. I don't have it. Um, yeah. <laughs> it. It is it is tricky sometimes. 
I completely forgot about this show and also the fact that it, it came out in 2022. This was probably one of the best recommendations that you made to me um, in, in, in 2022. How's that for put that on our list? Yeah, this show was fantastic. And the the genre blending, each each episode being something different was just fun as like, you know, as a cinephile kind of, you know, the type of people that we are. This is a great show. Super funny. Um, the mystery was there. Great reveal at the end. Like it was all it was all good. Engaging characters, you just cared and just discovering bits and pieces each episode and being like, oh, that's what was happening over there. That like great fun. So, you know, if I had remembered this, maybe, just maybe, it might have been on my top list. But you talked about it, so at least we've done that. That's what it matters. All right, my number two is, and like I said, I've, I've gone for shows that I was just, like, engaged with and just wanted to have fun with as, as each episode was kicking along. And you know what? The Boys. I know we've talked about The Boys before. This is the third season, but... This season just like I was just there. I was just there and I just wanted to watch more. Again, it was one of those where I was like, I don't want to switch off or I don't want to go off. And you know, usually sometimes I tune out. But this third season, you know, it pretty much picks up a year after where we where we last saw all, all these characters. The story follows the titular boys now working for Victoria Newman's Bureau of Superhero Affairs to apprehend problematic soups, having been at peace with the seven. Um, however the conflict is resumed once butcher begins to investigate the truth about the apparent death of soldier boy um, so they introduce jensen ackles in this one uh, one of vort's first american superheroes with the hope of killing homelander for good uh, meanwhile homelander's mental stability begins to deteriorate as vort attempts to restrict his power while the other seven members such as starlight and queen mave assist the boys in their plots against him it was a fun season the boys like they have access to powers and stuff now. It's dangerous. It gets a bit crazy. They actually legitimately have an opportunity to take Homelander out and just watching all of that unfold. Can they do it? Will they do it? You're rooting so bad, like just so hard for it. And then you just see how things unfold. There's, yeah, I feel like they, I just feel like the boys have just been like, turning it up each season and, and this was no this was no exception i know it's a show that's of it's not a new show it's something that's coming back but i was like you know what out of all the things i managed to watch this this couldn't not be on my list yeah and i'd read the comics years before that first season came out i thought the first season did a really good job at setting up the show the characters Season three, for me, by far, is the best season. Really, really enjoyed it. I mean, this year, we're going to get Gen V, which is the first live-action spin-off. But also this year, we've got the animated companion series, The Boys Presents Diabolical. The first episode really appealed to me, that they the, the animation style was Tex Avery, which I did like. I've got a handful of episodes that I still haven't finished from that, but we're getting like this. The world of the boys is growing. It's just exploring. Yeah. And it's really like it works on the page. It works on screen, but yeah, that third season, I think I fell behind on a couple of episodes. And as soon as I started catching up, I couldn't stop watching it. I just had to finish it. 
So my number one pick, I wavered a little bit, if I'm honest, because so much has happened since I watched that show. But I'm like, do you know what? I'm not going to be affected by outside influences. I'm going to stick to my guns because as I was watching Peacemaker season one, I was thinking, <laughs> this is going to be it. This is going to be my favorite show of the year because not only is it a TV spin-off of a film that I liked and a character that I enjoyed, John Cena, Peacemaker in James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. This was the start of something really interesting because 2013, we got Man of Steel, the beginning of the DCEU. All these years later... We were going to be getting films, TV, and then when you get to the finale, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but you do get Jason Momoa as Aquaman. You get Ezra Miller as The Flash. So this wasn't DCEU light. This was very much the DCEU we'd first seen on the big screen, on the small screen. We got Robert Patrick as John Cena, well, I should say Peacemaker's dad, I really enjoyed the lines blur. Is it Robert Patrick? Is it Peacemaker's dad? I thought this show was excellent. And again, like since the show aired, so much has happened, but I don't care. I'm just going to rate this show on its own merits. And week to week, I couldn't wait to watch the next episode. I mean, it's such a fun concept, silly character. We first got him in. The Suicide Squad. Peacemaker is a man who fights for peace at any cost, no matter how many people he has to kill to get it. Ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous. And it's a great performance by John Cena. Uh, we're getting new characters played by Freddie Stromer. He is... Is it Vigilante? Yes, he's playing Vigilante... Jennifer Holland is back from The Suicide Squad. She's now Mrs. James Gunn. So I don't know. I think she's <laughs> like Henry Cavill not surviving in the DCEU. But we got to see her again in the Black Adam movie. But it was just so fun, like a weekly TV show, watching something. I mean, Marvel did it with WandaVision. Disney Plus, they were tying shows into the movies. Kind of Daredevil and Netflix. But this was the first thing for DC. They've had success with the Arrowverse, which is coming to an end. But this was like TV tying into the films. And week to week, it was a lot of fun. Viola Davis popped up as Amanda Waller. It was like proper, you know, tying into the movies. And it's obviously going to be the first and last DCEU <laughs> TV show. But again, we know it's over. But this show, when I was watching it week to week, loved it. And we should also mention, actually, the opening theme, Do You Want to Taste It by Wigwam. James Gunn said, when coming up with the opening credits or the opening titles and the song, his intention was for people to stop pressing the skip intro button. With me personally, <laughs> he succeeded because I watched it every time. This show that's was just right. fun, man. It's fun. It is a lot of fun. And that's why I put it at number one. 
yeah it took me a while to get through um the show not nothing against this show i was watching with the missus and then she tuned out of it and i wanted to keep going but i I thought that she would still be alongside me there but um she gave me permission to press on and once i had that permission granted i churned through the second half of of the show great fun and if there was an award for best opening of a tv series of 2022 peaceback for sure 100 that that dance number great stuff all right, my number one um, pick, again, just a show where it was just like, we're going to watch it all as quickly as we can because it's just amazing. We couldn't tune out. I'm going for Stranger Things, season four. Again, another returning show. This isn't anything brand new, but what they were doing in this season, like there were episodes that were like movie length. They were just going crazy in this. This is this. Like, I feel like this season was very contained in terms of like the story that they were presenting um to us and just to have these sometimes almost two hour episodes i think there was an episode that was like an hour and 45 minutes but it not feel like it was being dragged out there was just so much just relevant valid entertaining content at every pretty much every minute of of the show um just this, the journey of watching season four of Stranger Things was was just an experience in, in 2022. It was it was something else. Like, I couldn't think of another show where I wasn't falling asleep. I wasn't, you know, getting bored, looking at all the fluff and the, the filler that they were putting in. Like, it was just every moment, which is crazy because I think the season's probably like 10 hours long or something ridiculous like that, probably longer. I don't know. Ridiculous. Just loved it. I am going to stand by my picks, but I'm going to admit something. Completely forgot about Stranger Things. <laughs> that was a show that I watched with a wife and we was gripped. As soon as new episodes became available, nothing else existed. Peacemaker, you are still my number one, but maybe <laughs> because I forgot about Stranger Things. But yeah, that was such a strong season i mean the introduction of eddie a new character and and for him to be a new character and most people are talking about eddie and if they're not talking about eddie they're listening to run up the hill which my wife did oh so often i mean headphones that's fine go for your life in the car really we do it again kate bush it was a great song i like the song but are we doing it again? But then my kids had not watched Stranger Things, but they'd heard the Kate Bush song in the car. So they're like, can we listen to Running Up the Hill? It was a whole thing. I don't know how I completely forgot played, when doing my list. Played on, like, on like commercial radio just as, you know, multiple times a day. It was insane. Like the just the resurgence of that. Alone. I'm legitimately happy. For Kate Bush. And it is a great song <laughs> in the show. But Stranger Things, I think it's because maybe it's been going for a few years now. What would you say? Season four. And maybe that's mm. why I didn't pick it. But I'm glad well, you did. Because with when when yeah. Netflix drops Stranger Things, it's always like it comes. You watch it over a weekend and it's done. At least at this time we had sort of two weekends. They broke, we broke it up. I mean, it yeah. it really is appointment television there's certain shows whether it's 
episodes weekly or dropping whole seasons on a particular day, that's when you watch it because you just need to take it all in. Appointment television, that's Stranger Things. All right, so they were our top TV picks for uh, for 2022. Let's now jump into 2023 and discuss our most anticipated. So what shows are we most excited for? And, and again, you can start us off, off if you like. I'm picking a Marvel Disney Plus show. And it's because <laughs> I just I want to see more of Sam Jackson as Nick Fury. My I'm number two, yep. my number two is Secret Invasion, which is said to be a miniseries starring Sam Jackson, Ben Mendelssohn, Kobe Smolders, Kingsley Ben Adir. Amelia Clark, Olivia Coleman, ah, Martin Freeman, back from Black Panther. So well, there he, you go. He is back. <laughs> and Don Cheadle, he's got his own show coming soon to Disney Plus Armor Wars. It's a secret invasion in the comics. This, at the time, was a big deal. Because what happened, which I don't think is what the show's going to be, you found out that certain members of the Avengers one being Hawkeye, was actually a Skrull and had been for a while. And the Skrulls that infiltrated the Avengers, the actual heroes were imprisoned. That was a whole thing. So just like with a lot of Marvel Studios, we're going to get the MCU version of a particular story. So I'm not expecting... This to be the comic. (laughs) Yeah, like I'm not expecting Jeremy Renner or anything like that. But I'm just I'm just interested because we got Sam Jackson, it was more flashback or set in the 90s with Captain Marvel. I'm kind of hoping, even though we're getting the scrolls from Captain Marvel, who I thought were fantastic, specifically Ben Mendelssohn. I'm more than happy to see him come back. Was it Telos or uh, names Telos? Yeah, I really enjoyed him in in that movie. But what I'm hoping for with Secret Invasion is aliens, but through the prism of Captain America Winter Soldier. That's what I'm kind of hoping that we're going to get. I mean, you you know, reading off the cast, street-level characters, so I'm hoping for a more gritty espionage sci-fi thriller. But that's my second pick. There's a couple of like Marvel Disney Plus shows. I think Iron Hearts due out this year. Echo, the Hawkeye spin-off. But this is the one. If I had to pick one, I mean it's no competition, if I'm honest. But Secret Invasion, which at first I think we thought it might have been a film, but in fact, it's going to be a TV mm. miniseries. Look, I I will say right now, I don't have any Marvel uh, shows on my most anticipated. And yeah, there might be a reason for that. But look, if I was to pick one, and of course, I'm still going to watch them all because, you know, they, they've got me. Um, Secret Invasion for sure is, out of all of them, is the one to look, look out for. 
Um, it feels what a cast. What a cast, man. It's and that's it. Be something, be something fun. It feels like it's going to be an event, an event that could have worked as a film, but they're choosing to do it as a TV series. Maybe that's going to give them more time just to, you know, pad out the characters, the motivations, and all of that. In an ideal world, right? I'm yep. not going to tell you my number one pick yet, but what I will tell you in advance, it's not a DC show. My number two clearly is it a DC show. It's a Marvel show. I'd love it for been, my most... It would have been Peacemaker. It would have been Peacemaker season two. <laughs> no, mate, I would love for my most anticipated TV shows to be DC. Like, we are getting the, the ninth and final season of The Flash, but it's just... It's not made my top two. It's a secret invasion. Look, my number two pick um, is the second season of a show that came out in 2021. So I've been waiting for it. Um, But it's the season two of Yellow Jackets. Now, if you remember, I can't remember what I put it at, but this was like one of my top TV shows of of 2021. Um, I enjoyed it immensely. Um, it's about a group of teenagers involved in a plane crash in 1996. Um, and like, there's it's sort of like them grown up. Some of them have re- obviously returned where they were rescued and they're now adults, but they're haunted by the things that they did. It's like Lord of the Flies with like teenage girls and it's crazy. Um, there were so many mysteries and stuff set up in that first season, just a handful of episodes, like 10 or something like that. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to to its return um you know it's got it's got people in it like melanie linsky um you know juliet lewis christina ricky there's yeah a handful handful of people and and the the young cast as well like like majority of them are just superb um actors so i'm all for it yeah again it was a great first season been waiting a while over a year bloody hell that's the world we live in um I can't remember what month it's coming out in. I think it might be March or something, but it's it's on its way. Sorry, did you end up watching that first season? Sorry. I haven't. And I do remember I remember you recommended it. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I've got no excuse. I do have Paramount Plus. I'll watch it. I I will watch it. I'm enjoying binging shows at the moment. So I will. I will watch Yellow Jackets season one. Thanks. Cool. Thanks. I can't promise season right, two. But I'll watch season one. <laughs> well, of course, if you if you don't like it, then why would you continue? But for sure. What's your number one pick? Or for your my number, well, my number one is season three of a TV show. So there we go. My number one pick is Star Trek Picard. Okay. Right. I loved that first season. I didn't love the second season, but I enjoyed it. But what we are getting for the third and final season of Picard, we're getting the next generation crew all back. I'm talking LeVar Burton, Michael Dawn, Jonathan Frakes, Gates McFadden, Marina Sirtis, Brent Spiner, and from Voyager, Jerry Ryan, and from season one and season two of Picard, Michelle Hurd returning. My entry point for Star Trek was the next generation. 
that's Star Trek to me. Of course, Kirk and the original series came before that. And I'd seen the movies and as a kid, especially enjoyed the voyage home. I think it's because it wasn't as sci-fi because it was modern day, even though it was the eighties, there was saving whales. It was a whole thing, but next generation for me, that was my star Trek. I then went on to DS nine Voyager, but this is Picard, the Picard that we were reintroduced to in that first season. We did get Riker, which was fantastic in that first season. But they're all back. It's it's like they're doing an actual sequel season to the next generation. Everybody's back, everybody's older, and I am so excited for it. Because again, like it, even though it is Star Trek Picard season three, you look at the cast and they've put out character posters, a season poster. It's like, well, to me. That looks like the next generation. And I I am there for it. I love Star Trek. I grew up on, on Star Trek. And I yeah, so that is that is my that is my number one. So it's like love that first season. I kind of liked the second season. Regardless, you bring the next gen okay. cast back for that third season. I'm there. I'm absolutely. No, I'm really looking forward to it. You can't argue with that. And what you said, like they've they've hooked you in with the the temptation of hey, we've got the crew back together. Yeah, big reunion kind of. Thing. Yeah, how can it's, you say no? So I know, but that's the thing. It's like, hey, we've got some of the crew back together, but no, we've no, got everyone. We've got George LaForge, Worf, William Riker, Beverly Crusher, Deanna Troy. It's like, oh, this is like this is. This is Star Trek to me, so I am like, so oh, yeah. excited. For sure. All right, my uh, my most anticipated uh, for 2023. Um, by the time this episode is out, this our year in review, this show would have started. It it um it comes out on the 15th of January, so um I don't have long to wait. It is the last of us. It's the HBO. We'll get it on binge because you know that's. How we live, how we live here. Um, it's the post-apocalyptic drama television series uh, based on the 2013 video game, and I imagine the eventually the, the sequel video game as well, which was developed by Naughty Dog. We've got uh, Pedro Pascal as Joel, the main character. He's a smuggler tasked with escorting the teenager Ellie, who's played by Bella Ramsey, across um, the United States. Um, Gabrielle Luna's in there as well. Meryl Dandridge, uh, Anna Torv. Uh, there's a whole bunch. Um, this was one of my most favorite games. That I mean, I'm not a huge gamer, and but every now and then I come across a game and I'm, I'm like, wow, like this. This was a, a really good one. Um, one that I just played from start to finish, almost like a like a TV series. It was like I couldn't stop playing it. The the story was engaging. The gameplay was great. The, the cinematics of it all, it pretty much was a blueprint for like, like this could be a really good movie or I guess long form, a television series. And with HBO pretty much at the helm, I mean, what I've seen of this so far looks fantastic. Um, 
so yeah i can't wait to revisit this world in a uh, in a in a in a realm where i don't actually have to do anything with my fingers i just have to sit there and watch with my eyeballs which will be exciting so again i'll pass it over to you i don't know if you're familiar with the games or i i know you probably know of them but i doubt you played them because you know, <laughs> i know of i know it. you as a person yep you do <laughs> i don't play video games <laughs> I, I just don't. I watch films, TV, listen to music. That's my go-to. Well, here's um, the TV show you can watch. Well, this, well, this is the thing, right? <laughs> I I know of it, of course. Like every, well, most I'll say everybody. Most people, my wife had not heard of it. Saw the trailer the other day, showed it to her. Hey, this looks like a show that we would watch and enjoy together, and we're going to watch it together. But okay. I've not played the video game. I was chatting to my mates in the UK about it. They have played it, but it sounds like it's going to be a very close adaption. So they're like saying, well, maybe it's a good thing you haven't played the game because the story of the show is going to closely follow the story of the game. So for me, I will watch it as a completely new thing, but I know of it. I know how much people love the video game and yeah, the anticipation for this show is very high. Pedro Pascal, we've had him in The Mandalorian. We're going to get him in the third season of Mandalorian. So, I mean, he's everywhere at the moment, isn't he? He is popping up all over the place. Um, all right, cool. Well, that's it for our most anticipated TV of 2023. Um, now we move into more of the movie category things, but we start with the best poster uh of 22 this is always a fun uh, thing talking about a visual thing <laughs> i mean uh, yes audio medium it's exactly but hopefully the posters that we pick are popular enough that people have seen them my yes. my pick and i looked through so many posters honestly it just i feel old because i, I missed the i missed the days of and when you get posters like that <laughs> like do you know what i mean it's like that was that was like quite a few years ago now like so many posters are just floating heads or reversed images and it's like, oh this is a this is a thing but the post that i've picked it's a movie that i will say i haven't picked in any other categories i'm glad that i can talk about it somewhere everything everywhere all at once. It's the film directed by Daniel Kwan and Daniel uh, China. What a film. Um, really is like an excellent film. It didn't make my top three films of the year, but I can talk about it now. Really enjoyed that film. The psychedelic nature of the film, it's featured in the poster. It's fully embodied you've got everything you've got sausage uh, hot dog sausage fingers you've got all the characters that feature in the movie it's just a painted poster and it's so refreshing to see where you can look at a movie poster and it looks like a piece of art and that's what this poster is it's not just a series of floating heads it's not an abstract image it's an actual complete poster so that's my that's my top pick. And that film, I mean, short round from Indiana Jones, Data from Goonies is back. We're going to see him again in Goonies. <laughs> I'm happy. Is he? You want to see him again in Goonies? No, 
we saw him in Goonies. Going to see him again in Loki. My apologies. Okay, he's in Loki. Wait. Loki season two. What is what is happening in Goonies? What is going on? Um, you know, whilst we're at it, let's credit the uh, let's credit the artist. I don't know if you did it, but um, James Jean, the artist of that poster. And the only reason I know, <laughs> yes, you picked the same it poster. Is also, it is also my pick. This is a first for us. We've done this. Was this our fourth, fifth year? We've done this. I think so. Uh, yeah. This is the first. We both have picked the same goddamn poster. You know what? That just gives it credit that it's it does. that good. We've both it picked really is... hundreds, I would say, posters that have been released. <laughs> we picked the same one. I said data from <laughs> Indiana Jones. I said no. Short, Short round, round from, from Indiana, Indiana Jones, data from Goonies, Ki-Hu Kwan. That is who, after a long period of time away from acting, is back on the big screen, everything everywhere, all at once. He is excellent. Michelle Yao, phenomenal. It's just, I feel like you need these side projects. You know, these movies that, that reach a mainstream audience, but when they get started, maybe then necessarily going to find that audience where whether it's the director, the casting or whoever producers can go for a particular cast and they cast the right people in this film. It absolutely blew up. Of course, Jamie Lee Curtis is in there as well, but this film just took on the life of its own, reached such a wide audience. And then, you know, yeah, the golden globes a... and, I mean, it didn't do it didn't do crazy at the box office, but A24's highest grossing film. But that's so, the thing, though, isn't it? I mean, that yeah. is... Like for that, them, it is a great success. It's huge. They're going from strength to strength, and they can bank that. They can move on to their next projects and the one after that. But it's great for him. And seeing him reunited with Steven Spielberg, Harrison Ford, ah, <laughs> it's, you know... Good stuff. But yeah, we we picked the same poster. There you go. Same everything everywhere all at once, that poster. Cool. All right. Well that was fun, I guess. Um, best movie score. Best movie score, theme, or just overall music of 2022. Can I be honest? This is one that I put no thought into whatsoever. Reason being, I knew what I'm it was. I'm really worried. I absolutely knew what it was. I remember they announced a sequel to Top Gun. Oh, okay. And my question was like, who's that even for? I've seen that movie (laughs) a couple of times. I don't feel like that movie is for me. I mean, will Top Gun Maverick even find an audience? And I can't remember what movie I went to see, but I was at the cinema and it was the first trailer for Top Gun Maverick. And you hear the Harold Faltermeyer theme from the original Top Gun. And I was like, I'm in. And I remember we watched Top Gun Maverick together. And it just sat there waiting for the movie to start. Paramount logo, Top Gun theme. I'm like, I'm in. The movie's got me <laughs> already. So straight away, and I remember you got to the end credits and it had that original song by Lady Gaga. And I'm like, you know what? All the music in the movie really worked for me. But that last song by her, 
kind of like stood out and it didn't really quite work for me. Well, since then, the track Hold My Hand, I've listened to many times. The track by One <laughs> Republic, I Ain't Worried. Oh, mate. Uh, we get Danger Zone, Kenny Loggins. So even the music, even like the songs, you're all, all of it. You're like, um, all of everything. it. I mean, if you're Great looking picture. at Great. who is who is credited for producing the music on this one soundtrack, Harold Faltermeyer, who did the original music but returned for the sequel, as well as Lady Gaga. Of course, she did that track for the end credits. But she was also involved in Hans Zimmer, who is like, I mean, come on, everybody knows Hans Zimmer. So it's it like, isn't... I mean, all the ingredients are there. And I'm like, do you know what? I love that original Top Gun thing, like most people do. So they're kind of getting me there, but they're not just playing it the same way. Like they are using it in a particular way. Like because I've heard it so many times from that first movie, when you first hear it in the opening, they've changed it and it's apparent straight away. And it is excellent. And it's the music out of any other film that I watched this year that just stayed with me. And that's why when I was putting this list together, I'm like, well, I know the answer already. It's Top Gun Maverick. Perfect. Easy. And I can't, I can't, yeah, argue with that because I remember the feels, the feels of hearing, hearing the movie, <laughs> not just watching it. All right, my my pick for the best, well, I went with the best score, is um for the Batman, Michael Giacchino. The music in it. Look, we've heard a, a many uh, a Batman scores, whether it's from a, a live action film, animated series, something like that. Sometimes there are certain motifs that trigger the feeling of Batman or what Batman is. What Giacchino does here with the Batman, it does create that sense of just like there's a darkness, there's a menace, but then there's also there's also sounds of triumph and hope as well as all like the the justice and the, you know, the, the damage and the danger that comes with it all. I'll stop using all these words. Um, just the 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 main key track that you've got, which is like like the like the Batman sort of track, just from start to finish, like there's so much elevation in terms of where it starts, like the grittiness, and then when it sort of progresses into that sort of that hopeful, inspiring kind of hero, which you know parallels sort of what you sort of witness in the movie of how you know the you know Bruce Wayne Batman character sort of becomes by the end of it it's it just it just transported me straight back into that film and just the 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 feelings of 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 all of that so again like just all the darkness and the the craziness you know like that movie obviously amazing in in its own right but um just the just the score that came with it just incredible and then you got like tracks for like Catwoman Penguin all of that, like everyone's got something going on a little bit different, but it all feels of one piece. And there's just some some powerful stuff. I remember that scene with the, you know, like when the penguin's car flips and it's just so ominous, but then it just gets so loud and crazy. Throw in the sound of the Batmobile or the Bat car or whatever it is, revving and just going nuts. Like there's the sound, just the sound overall 
into bring in the score as well and, and you've got like a masterpiece yeah it's a great score <laughs> i yeah. i heard it <laughs> and then i went on itunes and i bought the main title for two dollars 19 i had to have it <laughs> i had to have it at the time they'd not released the whole album but you could buy the main title and it was just great and i would just listen to it on repeat it is a great theme and it's one of those things isn't it because just think right Batman 66, that's what everybody knew the Batman theme to be. It was camp, it was silly, and then Elfman 89. Oh, no, that's what it is. And then when they did the Bruce Tim Batman animated series in 92, they brought Elfman back and he did a variation of his 89 theme. And, of course, he did Returns in 92. But that was essentially what it is. And then years later... Michael Giacchino with The Batman. Nothing like what had come before, but at the same time, yeah. it just feels like The Batman, like it found a way to create this new sound, which is incredible. It both speaks to the talent of Giacchino and Batman, how he's just this character that they can always just reinvent. He can have a new look and a new sound, and he's always adaptable but yeah the batman is a great great pick i mean that statement i wouldn't say i wouldn't imagine it would be easy but i suppose when it's done if if it's done right like which it has been done obviously a couple of times but yeah just in this instance like it's been reinvented yet it still feels just right for batman like it, it just evokes the feelings that i think you'd want for at least you know and, and the batman that that they've made for you know this matt reeves film like that batman it seems to work for him as well you know like the the gritty detective type sort of you know not fantastical spectacle kind of batman just the the down-to-earth one really intense love it okay um so keeping up movies now we're gonna start having a little bit of fun and talking about maybe some just some things that just didn't go our way. So this is where we start to get a little bit argumentative, which is great. Most overrated movie of 2022. What movie came out, people were buzzing about it, or it made lots of money, and you just went, I don't get it. <laughs> what is this? It's an interesting one this year because when we're saying most overrated, for me, I'm going to put the blame at the star. And this is a movie on Rotten Tomatoes, 39%. I'm talking Black Adam. Black Adam so, so, so is... So overrated in terms of what Dwayne Johnson... Well, most saying. overrated because Dwayne Johnson went hard campaigning in this movie. To his credit, because he's made something that he's saying is proud of. He wants people to see his movie. So this is not a movie that was overrated by the audiences. For me, this is a movie that was overrated by Dwayne Johnson himself. I've now seen this movie twice, first in cinemas, again at home. We recently did a review. But this movie had been hyped for the longest time. I mean, I remember before the came, movie came out, like praising Johnson, like, wow, I've never known an actor to like campaign and promote a movie like 
worldwide, like, it went really hard in promoting this film. But when I watched it, it's like, it just, I mean, it was saying, wasn't it, the hierarchy of the DC will change forever. And, I mean, it did, just not the way intended. Because it ended. (laughs) It ended. I like how how you live with Peter Saffron. (laughs) Well... For once, <laughs> for well, time. everybody blames James Gunn, so I thought that was intentional. <laughs> that was intentional. But Black Adam, that that's it. I mean, I watched it, thought it was fine, enjoyed it more the first time than the second time. But it's just a so-so action movie that features some DC characters. Some parts are better than others, but not overrated by audiences. <laughs> Not overrated by Rotten Tomatoes, but overrated by star and producer Dwayne Johnson. There you go, Black Adam. No, that's that's fair. And I, I like how you took a bit of a spin on the on the category. And yeah, that's a bit different. I like it. it. Qualifies. All right, I'm going with the more traditional. Um, people seem to really like this movie, and I didn't. So I'll just I'll just take that angle. Um, Matilda, the musical. Uh, directed by Matthew Watchers. This movie, for some reason, is sitting at on Rotten Tomatoes at 92%. That's based on 90 views, an average of 7.7 7 out of 10. Metacritic has it as, at 72 out of 100. Um, obviously, we can't talk box office numbers because Netflix film. But, uh, yeah, people seem to really like this movie and they seem to really like the music and the songs and the acting and the children and all of that in this movie. And I just watched this movie and wanted to not continue watching it the whole time. Nothing about this was enjoyable. I, I, I don't look. It's not the worst movie, so I'll, I'll tell you now. It hasn't cracked my bottom three, my my worst three of the year. But this was an enjoyable movie. This there was nothing nice about this at all. Like the songs were more. I found them more annoying than catchy at all. Like they weren't. No offense, Tim Minchin and, and his craft and all that. And I get it, it's based on a um, the musical stage play thing. And I don't know, maybe it works better as a as a stage play than a than a theatrical. It just didn't feel it just didn't feel right. Um yeah, the movie just kind of annoyed me the whole time. I just didn't like it. Just didn't like it. I thought it was delightful. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Watched it with the family. <laughs> Mr. I hate musicals. <laughs> no, but you know what? There's been a shift. Maybe it's having daughters. I don't know, but there's been a shift and I'm now more open to musicals. That's why recently I finally watched Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I purposely skipped that Coen Brothers film because I don't like musicals and I heard they were singing in it. Uh, Matilda the musical my wife and eldest daughter went and watched it live thoroughly enjoyed it wife and I do like Tim Minchin his stand up his songs his you know it worked for me it did work for me I do like that movie that came out in the 90s Guy DeVito I believe directed it he played the dad Stephen Graham in this new film is absolutely fantastic. He's somebody that doesn't let loose that often. So to see him having fun in this kind of film, I really is he the, enjoyed. Is he the dad? He's the, the dad, dad in this one. He's yes. the dad. False teeth, got the hair. Great. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Emma Thompson as the headmistress. It, I just find it like a lot of fun. 
But I watched no, it look. with the wife who enjoyed it. Both my kids enjoyed it. And it's not just a musical with so-so songs. Like, the songs I thought were really good. And knowing Tim Minchin, like, his voice really shone through a lot of the songs. I, I just thought it was... I thought it was fun. This guy that doesn't normally like musicals. That's crazy. There was that one song where it was like with like the alphabet and they're like the different words and they go into like the halls and all the different classes and stuff. Like I felt like, oh, like that song's kind of great. It still wasn't that catchy. And Emma Thompson's performance as Mrs. Trunchbull, like, look, I'll I'll give the movie credit there. She was pretty good. But overall, the movie was just no, it just wasn't working for me. Didn't like it. <laughs> uh. And that's fair. That's, that's fair enough. I didn't know ahead of time because I saw you share something online. <laughs> that you didn't like it, but I didn't realize it was going to make this category. All right. Next up, we've got our underrated, our most underrated movie of 2022. So what movie came out you loved, everybody seemed to hate? Right. I feel like I'm not following the conventional method with my picks because... It's just a movie that just Dwayne Johnson hated. (laughs) No, no, these... these, Okay, so what I'm picking for the most underrated movie of 2022 as a 86% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, let Mm. me explain myself, right? Because I am picking... Confess Fletch. Now, critics rate it. Audiences online rate it. Can I ask you, have you watched it? I haven't. Okay. Like everybody else that I know, nobody has seen this film. And that's why I'm picking it as a underrated movie because you look at the numbers online, Wow, this movie's tracking really well. Everybody seems to like it. I know a good amount of people, not just in Australia, but in the UK. Nobody has seen this film other than me. This is a very good film. Well, I am angry. Well, I've got to be honest. When I asked you the question, I thought the answer was going to be yes, I have seen it, but you haven't. I thought thought you were going to watch it. Well, again... I'm saying this. At me. <laughs> I'm saying this is my pick for the most underrated movie. And so, what are the critics saying? What are the audiences saying online? They're loving it. It has got a percentage of eighty-six percent. But man on the street, not watching this movie. And yeah. it's a lot of reviews as well. It's not just one or two critics or one or two audiences. A lot of people online are watching and rating this movie to get it to 86%. But people that I know are watching this film. Unfortunately, this film just, it hasn't found the audience. Now, this film stars John Hamm as Fletch. We did get those other two movies in the 80s with Chevy Chase as Fletch. We got Fletch in 85. Fletch lives in 89. But this is completely separate to those. This is a film that John Hamm was so passionate about. They needed to do some expensive reshoots. He paid for them reshoots himself. We'd been 
said to be getting another Fletch movie for so many years. Like, I think at one point we was going to get Son of Fletch with Zach Braff. But all these years later, we actually got another Fletch movie. And it's excellent. Like, it's not an action movie. It's a comedy crime caper. And it's it's a lot of fun. While investigating a case of valuable stolen paintings, the roguish, charming, and endlessly troublesome Fletch becomes a prime suspect in a murder. To prove his innocence, he must sift through a long list of suspects, from an art dealer to a missing playboy to a crazy neighbor to his own girlfriend. This movie is so much fun. I was looking forward to it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. But if you're only familiar with those Chevy Chase movies, that's not what Fletch is. The books, this movie, that's what it is. Chevy Chase has his own brand of comedy, and that's characters. His background in SNL, his movies. So when you think Chevy Chase Fletch, you're thinking disguises. He's infiltrating, he's doing whatever he's doing, but he's wearing different disguises. Fletch in the books, in this movie, doesn't wear disguises. But it's John Hamm. It's a great film. I thoroughly enjoyed this film. So again. I love it, jeez. Rotten Tomatoes, 86%. That's pretty good, isn't it? But nobody in the real world has seen it. So that is my most underrated movie of the year. There you go. Rant over. Okay, so again, I went for the more fundamental approach to the category, as uh, as we do. Um, now, this movie sits. Uh, this movie that I've that I've got here, Rotten Tomatoes, twenty one percent based on one hundred and fifteen reviews. That's an average of three point nine out of ten. So rated pretty low. Metacritic thirty four out of a hundred. Now, the movie I'm talking about, The Bubble. This is a the comedy directed by Judd Apatow. It's about a bunch of actors who are coming back to film a sequel to long-running franchise dinosaurs and stuff and it's great um it's set during the pandemic so they've had to essentially go into a quarantine bubble um right stay they're in this hotel and stuff they're making the movie all this stuff happens i genuinely found this movie pretty funny entertaining the cast is great karen gillen iris abatel Maria Bakalova, David Duchovny, Keegan-Michael Key, Leslie Mann, Kate McKinnon, Pedro Pascal. I had a good time with it. And I remember when we were reviewing it, I, actually, I can't remember if you had a good time or not, but I remember liking it and just liking the meta humour, the, the commentary on the state of the world at the time, um, this essentially being a satire of how they did in real life make Jurassic World Dominion, you know, like they had the actors in a quarantine bubble of such, of sorts, um, in a, you know, in a hotel, spending time together in between shoots and all that kind of stuff. It was an interesting look at the the movie world at the time. And of course, just some ridiculous, just crazy shit throughout. Genuinely think this is, again, not a masterpiece, but I think it's a pretty good decent enjoyable fun time um and i think it just deserves a little bit more than what it's been rated and 
therefore because of that i believe it's underrated that's how it works that's how it works well i'm glad that i went first before i was schooled <laughs> do you know what this is a a really good pick i enjoyed it as well like yeah we reviewed this you did enjoy it didn't you yeah but what happened though it was released and soon after we reviewed it so i think we reviewed it before the fallout happened and the fallout is what led to that rating where people just weren't really that into it but i do remember so i think maybe we were going to record on a sunday it was released on the friday and i watched it on a saturday and sat down with a wife to watch it three quarters of the way in and she's like i don't want to watch this anymore i'm going to bed so she tapped out <laughs> early i didn't think anything of it and then we did our review and whether we egged each other on or not, I don't know, but we spoke positively about the review. You have a strong love of Jurassic Park, and you mentioned the connections or the parallels that this has with the making of Jurassic World Dominion. But I think we did our review, and then everybody else online said what they thought, and it wasn't positive. And I've got to be honest, it surprised me. I didn't see it coming at all i mean great it's like cast, people just concept appetite and maybe do you know like... what maybe because we recently reviewed glass onion and knives out story and the opening of that it's may 2020 covid's happening they start off wearing masks then they remove them and maybe the bubble it was just too soon because even watching glass onion in december it just seemed a bit too soon. Like, oh, are we doing this? That's like real world. We're looking to movies for escapism. So maybe that's what put people off the bubble. Like, we don't want to think about COVID. We just want to think about dinosaurs. <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. We just want to escape to some fun, friendly cartoons. Um, that was an attempt at a segue to our next category, which is best kids animated family whatever kind of movie so like uh just something g or pg rated um we've got two each that we've got you can even throw in an honorable mention if there was something almost made your list i'm saying that because i've got one we won't have to dwell on it i just want to throw it out there when we get to it um but again you go first right okay i've got to be honest number one was a lock i knew for a fact what it was going to be number two i was swapping and changing a couple of times but this is your opportunity to have that honorable mention <laughs> i do have an honorable mention but it's for a tv show which won't come up later so just bear with me a number two pick is because we don't do it we don't do a tv pick for a family or kids show or whatever so what i'm going to do is so my number two movie family kids film <laughs> chip and dale rescue rangers i'm picking it because it's a show that i used to watch and enjoy as a kid when my eldest was born we'd re-watch that original series and then this movie was coming out and it felt very much like who framed roger rabbit a film that i used to love and enjoy but what it ended up being is a fam a family film watch it together but it's one of those films where as an adult, you're getting certain jokes that are going over the kids' heads. 
And then there's things for the kids to enjoy. So it ended up being a film that my wife and I was able to enjoy with the kids, but we were enjoying it for different reasons. And then you got the fun cameos and everything else. I was generally surprised by this film. Like when first hearing Disney Plus are making a Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie, I'm like, great. It's a movie of a show that I used to watch, but it ended up being a lot more than that. The animation from 2D to 3D, it's a film that I found to be a lot of fun. I mean, it was just it was just hilarious. Like, it's just so funny. Um, I also enjoyed it quite a bit. We'll move on. Shall we move on? From- <laughs> well, actually, let me just chuck in my honourable mention. It's not very conventional, I know. But I don't think... It's not going to come up like It's a time. TV show. It's, a TV, it's show. a TV show. And let me say it here because it is Disney+. Plus. It's the Santa Clauses. The Tim oh, Allen yeah. Santa Claus TV show. It is the first show that I watched with my kids weekly. And we get to the end of an episode. My eldest is 10. And she's like, come watch the next one. No, child. You have to wait until next week. This is traditional television. You're not just streaming or binging a TV show. But going back to that first Santa Claus movie, which is my favorite Christmas film of all time. And I revisit it every year. That and... Christmas Vacation, Santa Claus 2, Santa Claus 3. I mean, clearly they're not great films, but the first Santa Claus movie is amazing. They've announced the second season. So for me, as an experience, as my kids get older, the Santa Clauses was the first show where on a Wednesday, just me and the kids, and we would watch the next episode of a television series together after that my wife got that same experience with wednesday on netflix but the santa claus is for me it was that first experience so honorable mention not quite film but family children's there we go fair enough um all right my honorable mention for um before we get into it sonic the hedgehog 2 directed by jeff fowler um look it was it was just a lot of fun you had knuckles you had tails I don't know if this is a spoiler, but I'm going to say it anyway, but like Supersonic at the end, Jim Carrey back as Robotnik, like the movie was wild. I mean, there's the, all the stuff with like the weird wedding thing that the human characters go off and do and whatever in Hawaii, but it's like the cartoon character bits, like just great fun. So delightful movie. I just couldn't put it in my top two because I was like, no, but can I, movie, but... <laughs> can I just jump on that? The human element is i think is maybe why it's not in your top two it has its mm. fun moments but when you're that was the whole thing of that first sonic film that like sonic's great and no, james martin is great buddy film works better but now it does buddies, work better the buddies in this movie are the like, what well, sonic and tails and then eventually knuckles but like that there's the like a it's the- like an add-on but when you got that whole yeah. wedding thing the agents come in it's just it takes time it's, away from the movie that you want to see. So I can, yeah. I'm glad that you, that's why you instead, mentioned it. That's why instead I gave my number two spot to Turning Red. 
the wow. uh, the Disney the Disney Pixar thing with the little Asian girl who turns into the red panda thing. Delightful film. This is the movie where, you know, um, like, you know, a 13-year-old girl, she's torn between staying uh, her mother's, you know, perfect daughter um, and the, the changes of adolescence, all that kind of wonderful stuff. Um, what more, like, as she's hitting, I guess, like puberty or whatnot, um, she transforms into a giant red panda and obviously all the craziness comes from that. But again, like this is this is a movie that like I was watching and it kind of shows that it's 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 like a family or like parents, no matter what culture, can be anyone's parents, anyone's family. It's like we're all the same. We're all it's all confusing. Parents are nuts. Like it's it doesn't matter if yeah, Asian, black, you know, come from Scandinavia. Like it's all, like we're all we're all the same, and it's yeah, uh, just some nutty some nutty characters. I think this was yeah, this is definitely one of the better Pixar movies we've seen in a while. Having said that, I'm now trying to scan over if uh, there have been any really good ones. Nah, yeah. Well, definitely after this one of the well after the this we got year, right? yeah after this we got Lightyear before this we got Luca. Which was last year. Yeah, like Luca was Oh well was twenty twenty one. Yeah, Luca's pretty good. But um but yeah, now this one I remember just watching this just being like We're back. Like Pixar, cool. And again, just so angry that it's like, why was this a Disney Plus direct film? Like it should have just it should have had the theatrical I know, but I, I think mean, they're still Working out the kinks and just sorting it out. And and it's a film that we watch as a family. My 10-year-old got it. For my, I think then she would have been four. It was legitimately a film about a red panda. (laughs) And (laughs) and that's Pixar. That's what Pixar does. Depending on the age of the audience, that's what that film is to them. Like as as adults, as a teenager, you get it, but as a kid, like it's the magic and the whimsy of transforming into a red panda. It's got nothing to do with puberty. The crazy, the crazy thing about it is like, like you know, like we're watching it as you know, like grown men in their thirties. I can say that now. There we go. Grown men in their thirties watching this movie. Essentially, the main character is this young teen girl going through adolescent changes and it's one of the best movies of the year that i found engaging and i found myself oddly enough relating to like that's bizarre but i think only pixar has that kind of power and i know but then i've got a 10 year old i've got a 10 year old so i'm taking notes like when i'm watching it (laughs) like Don't run away, maybe that's a good tip, anyway. <laughs> yeah, but that, but that's Pixar, though. That, but that's you know, whether it's Pixar or going, you know, DreamWorks in the early noughties, like with Shrek, like what they were doing is they were presenting a film that works on multiple levels, like you don't need to be one type of audience to enjoy it. Yeah, you got you got layers, much like a much like an ogre or, or an onion, and you but you've also got like it's accessible and appropriate for brothers for the kids all right what's your number one pick for the kids family animated movie or whatever the category is called 
<laughs> well, my yeah. number one pick for whatever that category is DC League of Super Pets. Oh, cute. It's a film that I've got to be honest, I would have watched anyway, being a DC guy. But <laughs> I and my daughter went along to the Perth premiere and the the whole experience was great. The film itself was great also, but the experience was great. There was music, face painting, cupcakes, and all you know, all of that. So it was a very fun experience. <laughs> I want to acknowledge it, but push it to one side. And the movie itself is okay. a really, really good movie. My wife, like a lot of people, she likes Twin Johnson and she likes dogs. So this movie is perfect for her. She's interested in dogs and Dwayne Johnson. The Superman connection isn't there for her, but she wants to watch it for those reasons. So we will watch it as a family at home. It hasn't happened yet, but so far, my youngest and I watched it at the cinema. And again, I'm the audience already. I love this world, the world of DC, but they put together a good film. Good film, great cast. It's a fun, good film. It really is. And it's not just the cast voicing the super pets, like Superman, John Krasinski, Keanu Reeves as Batman is incredible. Honestly, the cast is great. So the experience was really good, but it's a really good, fun movie. That saying before with Peacemaker, the DCEU, like what's happening, it just goes to show that there's still an arm of DC that is doing (laughs) Really good content. We've got the Harley Quinn animated series on HBO Max in the US, and they are still doing good things, but DC League of Super Pets, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and my daughter did as well. It is it's a really good film, like it's got a good cast, good story, animation, the jokes hit, and it's connected to the DC universe, which is what I enjoy. So it just, it's a film that just works all around. But kids love pets. Kids love they, animals. They do, but honestly, like, how has this happened until now? It's, um, it's great. <laughs> There's a moment in the movie where Batman goes really quiet and sad things have been said around him. And there's a pause. And then Keanu Reeves as Batman just says quietly, I miss my parents. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's just, oh, it's, it's, it's just, again, it's a kid's movie where it appeals to kids, adults, the jokes land. And yeah, that's why it's my number one. All right. So I'm going to do that thing again where I kind of ruin the whole thing. Uh, number one for me is Chippendale's Rescue, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Oh, wow. Really? Number one. I just, the movie's just so funny. I like all of the, all of the background cameo characters, ugly Sonic, the, the dynamics between the two, like chipmunks, me going on a journey and finally working out that chip was the one with the black nose because it looks like a chalk chip and dale has the red nose there is a difference it's hard to notice (laughs) but that's how i do it now chip has the chalk chip nose um so do you know though like chip and dale 
Chip is always stood on the left. That's always a way of knowing which one's which. Oh, no, nah, look, I've already got my thing. I can't come up with it. <laughs> You've got your system. Just, just go with your system. No, no but like this, what they did here is pretty much what I think they were trying to do with Space Jam, A New Legacy, where it was like, hey, look, let's throw in a bunch of our IP. We'll have fun with it. But it just kind of just showed like they were just being showy. This was, if you visually saw something, it was like, set up as a gag or like you know you had fun sort of playing that that game and then the characters that they actually had interacting were involved in the plot there was a purpose to them and then there was a whole just the whole storyline with the like the pirated movies and, and stuff it was it was good like and just set up so dramatically like a true like crime kind of show but obviously very light and fluffy and i don't know just just really fun and delightful i just remember just having the experience of watching it was just just had a good time and of course watching on disney plus so we're just sitting in a lounge room but at the same time just it was it was good wow i've got to be honest when i when i put it in as number two i penciled it in and then and then wow, I decided yeah. I'll give it. So that's wow, you got it as number one. There you go. I obviously had a better time with it. No, this no, was, I really this enjoyed was it. No, I did. I did. I really liked it. I said before how much I liked it for it to be number two, but I didn't realize it was going to be your number one. Yeah, and it was locked in as well. Like it wasn't a debate at any point. I was like, no, that is my pick. And I think since watching it this year, it was or well, in 2022, it was a case of like, this is going to be my pick, and then nothing changed. Nothing changed along the way, um, which is good. All right. Well, we've talked a lot of positive stuff. How about some worst movies? Should we crack into the, uh, our, what do we call them, top three or bottom three or whatever? Um, <laughs> I don't know, bottom three. Worst yeah. movies. Just the worst. Just the worst. I, I should say, but like going in, oh, look, I've got, oh, I'll just, I won't go into detail, but I've got a list of just honorable mentions because I just had so many and I was just like, I just need to point out that I hated these movies and I want to mention and just voice that so I feel better inside. Um, but I do have my my three. And I guess the, sometimes I think the approach is like, you know, there's movies like Jurassic World Dominion that sort of broke my soul. There's movies like, I was going to say one, but it's actually my... <laughs> but there's other ones where it's like, look, I dislike that movie. It wasn't great, but they're not the worst. They're still qualities of them. So I really went to, like, just the movies that just flat out. I was like, no, I did not have a good time watching that at all. And that's it. Anyway, sorry, you, you can start. As you, as you <laughs> okay. My... Maybe with my disclaimer. <laughs> my number three, I... I wasn't sure about picking this one because if I'm honest, before I watched it, I didn't think it was going to be very good. It ended up not being very good, but I've picked it. It's a film directed by Simon Kimberg. You'd recognize him from the X-Men movies. I'm talking about the film, the 355. And I had picked this because, again, I didn't think it was going to be great. I was going to watch it. I did watch it. If you're unfamiliar, CIA agent Mace Brown joins forces with a rival German agent, a computer specialist, and a Colombian psychologist to retrieve a top secret weapon from a group of mercenaries. That's the plot. The cast 
Jessica Chastain, Penelope Cruz, Sebastian Stan. I mean, this is a film with a good cast and a known director. But the film, how do I put this? Is shit. (laughs) That's that's the best way to put it. Last night was my birthday. Here in Perth, my birthday, went to a restaurant and it was at a high restaurant. And the view from the restaurant, I shit you not, was a poster for this movie that had been up there for probably close to a year. That They'd put the poster that high up in the city. They just decided to leave it. So I'm like, <laughs> I'd put this list together already. This was a revolving restaurant. It took 90 minutes to go the, all the way around. And one of the views was a poster for this movie. And an over-depicted for my top three. I'd picked it already. But there it was as a reminder. Like, I cannot believe it. So there you go. The 355. Five. I remember trailers, TV spots. They were pushing it at the beginning of the year. But it's just, it's just shit. Like, it's just a good film. So it might be a film that not many people have seen. But there you go. It's a known director, a really good cast, but a crap film. Never heard of it, and uh, yeah, great cast. But you never yeah. heard of it? No, I never heard of it, mate. Take yourself to the city; yeah. you'll see a big billboard. <laughs> <laughs> too high, too high. All right, so my um, I'll get to my honorable mentions, I guess, maybe towards the end, just in case you have any of them on your list. But um, my number three spot is. Blacklight, the Mark Williams directed, Liam Neeson starring, just pile of crap. This movie was boring. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was rubbish. Um, I, you, you're like me. I enjoy uh, Liam Neeson, dumb. You know, he has a gun and some skills kind of movie where he's running from people or towards people or around people or whatever. This was just. There was something about this one where I was either I've just hit a wall with these types of movies or this was just a really, really crummy one. I, I remember when we reviewed it, I just had nothing good to say about it. You're not wrong. Really I mean, even The Ice Road, he had something else going for it. There was some goofy fun in there. Honestly, like as recent as tonight, action. as recent as tonight, I saw a poster for a new Liam Neeson film, Marlowe. It looks like, like a detective story, so maybe it's not just going to be a guy with a particular set of skills. But he's he found, a detective in this one. Whoa. <laughs> he found a way to... Well, his career got reinvented, and he just went with it. But unfortunately, they're just be running not the best. That's all I want to say about that one. That's it. <laughs> It's not good. Okay, short and sweet. Now, my my number two is starring one of my favourite action stars. But this film just missed the mark for me. A young boy learns that a superhero who was thought to have gone missing after an epic battle 20 years ago may, in fact, be still around. I'm talking about the Sylvester Stallone superhero film, 
Samaritan. <laughs> this is a film that hinges on a very predictable reveal and not much else. As I was watching this film, I'm like, so this what character... The reveal? Well, the reveal is that we've got the character of the Samaritan played by Stallone. He had a battle with his brother, who was a villain. One of them died. Oh, yes, I, I, As I, I was watching it, I'm like, yeah. well, the hero died. Stallone isn't Samaritan, is really the villain. And then you get to the end of the film. This is a spoiler, by the way. You get to the end of the film, and it's like Stallone's character, I'm really the villain. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I was watching it. Like, I know what's happening yeah, yeah, here. I know what's unfolding. And then it unfolded. And I don't I don't remember you not liking this movie that much. I I thought you had some pretty some good things. I like Stallone. I like Stallone. Oh, but no, this good. it was the reveal, man. That's what ruined the the movie for me. If within minutes of watching something and there's said to be, or maybe there's going to be some sort of a twist and you get it straight away. And I, as I was watching it, I was waiting for that reveal, but at the same time, not wanting that reveal because I knew that it was too obvious and it was going to affect my experience. And it just, and you got the dodgy de-aging of Stallone. And I'm so thankful for Tulsa King, which is phenomenal on Paramount Plus and was seeing some Give great modern Stallone. But this movie is not it. And I've got to be honest, maybe I'm going a little harsh on it because it's Stallone. And it's because I'm a fan of Stallone. And I'm like, he's had you a role. From your he's, had a, he's had a role in Guardians Volume 2. But this is him playing a title character. I don't know. It just it missed the mark for me. And yeah, it's unfortunately it's made my bottom three. But again, it's not a reflection on Stallone, who's still one of my favorite action stars. Like he is. And I'm loving him in Tulsa King. But Samaritan, it's a film that I just, yeah. Did not write. Okay, cool. All right, my um, my second, my second worst movie. Um, stars one of our, I think, I would say probably one of our favorite funny people in in movies, Kevin James. <laughs> I know what it is. <laughs> Home team. Oh my yep. god. Two years after. NFL head coach Sean Payton is suspended. He goes back to his hometown and finds himself reconnecting with his 12-year-old son by coaching his Pop Warner football team with what could have been like in the vein of uh, the Waterboy, Happy Gilmore, one of those, hell, even even the, the remake of like The Longest Yard, you know, like one of those Happy Madison granted starring Adam Sandler but like those sports comedy kind of films this could have been that this movie didn't know what it was what did it want to be a drama did it want to be a comedy when it was a comedy it was going it was pushing it too far and then when it wanted to be a drama it just wasn't delivering enough of it 
I remember we were speculating, we were like, this could have been like a really good dramatic role for, for Kevin James if this just went full on drama. Luckily, we got Hustler or the Hustle. Was it Hustle? We got Hustle with just Adam Sandler. Hustle, yeah. Just Which hustle, just, uh, not is long after. Still, he's still getting good word of mouth. Yeah, Hustle with Adam Sandler. Yeah, we did say that, didn't we? That this. Yeah, it's a it's a real guy, and it could have been heartfelt. Is it? It's an interesting one. This because when I was looking at family kids movies of the year, this movie kept popping up. So it, it essentially it's a PG kid slash family movie, which I think. If it had had a little bit more of an edge, same cast, like still Kevin James, just a little bit more of an edge, it could have been better. Whereas, whether it's the movie they intended, I don't know, but it, it, it does pop up in the PG kids family category. I can't give it a pass for that. It's no, it's no I'm not. I'm not looking for you to give it a pass, but I just think it, it's a film that it just—it's not where it should have been. Maybe it would have reached a wide audience and would have liked it more if it wasn't as safe as it was. But do you know what, Kevin James? I didn't know it, he's not involved for obvious reasons. But do you know that Becky too has been made? They have shot a sequel to no. Becky. With oh, Lily no, I think Wilson. I, I did read that or heard that somewhere. Mate, I had no idea until yesterday. And I came across it and I saw the first screenshot of Lulu Wilson in Becky 2. Well, holy crap, I didn't realise that was going to be a thing. But anyway, home team, yeah, I just think they didn't know what they had. I agree with you. They didn't know what it was. And it's just, what is it? Like, it just, it doesn't even like. What is it? But I'm thinking that Happy Madison films, because it is Happy Madison, isn't it? I'm pretty sure it is. I think so, yeah. yeah. What's the safest thing that they've done? I'm thinking maybe grown-ups are PG. I'm pretty sure they are. Yeah, I think so, yeah. But they don't feel like home team. They, they've missed the mark with that film. Like it, it could have been something, and it just it wasn't. Even something like um, like Blended. It's like pretty family safe. I'm pretty sure it's. But that feels. But I know, but that feels like a complete film, though. There's something about Home Team. It's like, it just feels like a film that just dropped on Netflix. Little fanfare, whereas Blended was a theatrical release. That was an Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore movie. Yeah, they could have had something with Home Team, but. Maybe they couldn't. I don't. I don't know. Maybe it was a lost cause from the start. I just don't. All right, that's enough. Do you know what? It's just interesting, right? Like, think about where we are right now. So Steve Buscemi has been working for decades now, but he's got to a point where, and it has been for a while, to be fair, as a credible actor. Like people like Steve Buscemi. Go back to the 90s, you got things like California Man or Encino Man with Brendan Fraser, and then years later he did Airheads with Adam Sandler. This is where we are now in 2023. We're talking 
award category actors, Steve Buscemi, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Adam Sandler for Hustle. What a time to be alive. <laughs> like, it's just, things have changed so much. But going back, they did that movie together, Airheads. And then, and then we've got Kevin James in. Ah, oh, no, Kevin James. Well, he needs to find his, <laughs> his opportunity, doesn't he? But right. Adam Sandler missed out with is... Uncut Gems. So hopefully, hustle. Yeah. All right. What's your number one pick for the worst movie? Of as soon as I had, to, I had to double check, as soon as I realized this movie came out in 2022, easy, easy. I think it's the easiest picking of, of worst film of the year and it's just because it's a shit film it had, <laughs> it had potential and it's just it's just shit i was in the cinema and i watched it one i wanted to see it and two we were going to review it for the podcast within 10 minutes i was like oh damn this is not going to be a good film at all and i'm talking about morbius Morbius there it is. was such there an is. easy number one. Honestly, I was thinking, oh, what's the number one worst film of the year? When did Morbius come out? 2022, done. That is <laughs> the worst. I, I've seen it twice. I've seen it twice. And honestly, the second time I watched Venom, Let There Be Carnage, I remembered liking that more than Venom. Honestly, I remember liking that more than Morbius. To thinking, well, I'm absolutely never going to watch Morbius again. But then it drops on one of the streaming services. I was curious. You're sick. It's the worst. It's the worst. It's like, look at what Sony have done, starting with Venom. Venom's clearly the best. Then it's Venom, let there be carnage. And because you have to include it, Morbius. It is it is shit, and honestly, I mean, it, oh, and it, and it is. Honestly, I think, I keep saying honestly, but I'm thinking to all honestly. the years we've done this, it's not been as easy to pick the worst film of the year. It's Morbius, <laughs> because you can start with it being a shit film, but then it's got a good cast. It's a good character, and you've got the source material there. So it's like there is ingredients for something a lot better than what we got. But the Morbius film, it's a pile of shit. Like, it's <laughs> such a bad film, it's bad. and it's like, it, is it's it really bad. is. And it's so disappointing because you've got... Marvel Studios working with Sony to make their Spider-Man films. So most recently we had Spider-Man No Way Home. Everyone's excited. Tom McGuire, Andrew Garfield is back. Tom Holland, charming as always. But then we're getting these tie-in films from Sony. Venom, Let There Be Carnage, Morbius. This year, we're going to get Aaron Johnson as Craven the Hunter. Aaron Taylor Johnson is a really good actor. As a Spider-Man villain, Craven the Hunter is an interesting character. Is it enough to carry a film? Well, we'll just have to wait and see. I've just got no <laughs> confidence. That's it. Sony and their Spider-Man spin-off 
non-Spider-Man films. Yeah. Madame yeah. Webb is going to be you're the Spider-Man guy. Honestly, if we're talking Superman and they're talking like, hey, we're going to do a Metallo film. We're going to do a Parasite film. I'm like, oh, fucking hell. I don't know. <laughs> I just... I don't know. I mean, Sony's doing it as well. No, doing what they can do, but it's just anyway. Mobius is my number one. I don't know what your number one is, but I'm just that's so terrible. Um, look, Morbius was was so bad. I mean, there's there's no denying that. Morbius has fallen into my honorable mentions. It didn't quite make. I'm glad you've put it in your list, and then it's your number one. I mean, I'm sorry you had to watch it like the rest of us. Yeah, like it was pretty bad. Um. I remember we walked out of the cinema and the, the wife says to her, she's like, like, it was not like I was bitching and whinging about it. She's like, it wasn't that bad. No, it was that bad. It, it really bad. is. Um, it's like, reason- it's like, like the noughties era. You know, when you got, I'm saying like when you got Tom just Jane bland. Punisher, but just- that had things going for it. Nick Cage, yeah. the first Ghost Rider film, that had things going for it. It's just, Morbius, it's a film that came out in 2022, but it feels like it's out of time. It's like Sony have just sat on it for like 10 years and finally decided to release it. Oh, we made this movie a while ago, yeah. Um, look, I've got so obviously Morbius was one of my honorable mentions. These other movies I thought were really shit, but just not that shit that I'll I'll be really mean to them. Um, Firestarter, the Robert Zemeckis Pinocchio movie, that's the Disney one and spirited i know a lot of people are loving that movie but i just i don't know i the music maybe i'm going off musicals because <laughs> i don't think like the thing yeah, is like, though inside baseball what i know about you i know you're not the biggest will fell fan i know you like ryan reynolds and i yeah, know up, in later years you've come around to will fell i yeah. know this but at your core you're not at the biggest will fell fan <laughs> Hey, I watched I I watched Elf in 2022, like for like around Christmas, I, which is a good film. I, my I'm, let me I say this my that. my issue with Spirited again Apple TV Plus had a subscription, watched it with the family, five year old, ten year old. It's a PG Christmas musical. What's the worst that can happen? I counted at least 11 swear words. <laughs> there was so much <laughs> bad language in that movie. But I did like the film. But I like Will Ferrell. I like Ryan Reynolds. I <laughs> blanked on his name. But um, yeah. it's it's pitched as a PG Christmas family movie. Maybe not so much. But I did yeah. like anyway, it. Clearly a lot more than dwell, you. We, we weren't meant to dwell on the, the honorable mention. So, um, and of, yeah, do I say Morbius? Morbius was obviously on there. But my number one, the reason they weren't on the list, my number one worst movie of the year was The Ice Age Adventures of Buck Wild. I love the <laughs> Ice Age. You can't pick that. Yes, I can. I love it. <laughs> I mean, Ice Age it, I mean, it is shit. It's fun. Even the <laughs> even the crappy ones where like there's an asteroid or there's whatever's going on, <laughs> they're all fun and stupid in some way. But this movie was just out of trash. Yeah. This is about Buck, Crash, and Eddie. Fantastic. Great. I well, mean, we're already we're on board. Simon Pegg um, they, is involved. They try, they try to keep the lost world from being overtaken by dinosaurs as they set out to find a place of their own. Like, am I correct in saying the only 
the only voice actor to come back was Simon Pegg. Yeah. And then they just got a sort of other ones. I mean, that aside, look, that I, I can't ping the movie too much for that. But just the story, the plot, which is the same thing, just the things that happened to the characters and the things that happened in this movie, just, just boring. Like, I mean, it's not good. It, it is. It's not a even good my, film at all. Even my two-year-old, they just pretty much, I mean, he's, a bit more aware now but like you know he enjoys things with colors and brightness and th- and he's watched all of the ice age movies i mean not obviously he hasn't followed them properly but he's been very much engaged in things that are happening and i was like well cool another ice age movie he will watch this the same and he just tuned out almost like i'm like 10 minutes in he was just like literally what would was happy staring at a wall it was better for him i don't see the animation listen okay okay but if we get to animate i don't think we can trust him completely as a barometer because i'm, I'm just saying how, which i i, I get what my... you, i get i get what you're saying what did you say two <laughs> i don't know how, but what you're just about to say there is an obvious change in animation the quality yeah, is very, very different. I mean, not. I'm, I don't want to knock these. What I say next, I'm not going to knock them because it's a television show. But like, when you compare like a DreamWorks movie to then like the television counterpart, the Kung Fu Pandas, the How to Train Your Dragon, you know, like it's lesser because it's a television show, so it's made cheaper. That's fine. This is still meant to be a movie, even though Disney Plus Direct is still a movie. Animation is just. It's just on that level of like it's like a TV show. I mean, if you look, like, this, is, this is not good enough. If you look it's at Disney enough. Plus TV, whether it's Star Wars, Marvel, or you know, outside you of know, that, it's top notch. It is there, so it's no excuse. This book, Wild movie, <laughs> we sat down to watch it as a family. My wife fell asleep. My eldest went and did something else. So it was just me and my five-year-old watching it. And I was watching it, she was watching it. And she was watching it because it was on. So I get it. Like, it's not like, <laughs> it, you know what I mean? It's not like a big endorsement. So, and but, my five-year-old watched it because it was on. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, she's still, and she's still finding herself and watching things to find out what she likes and dislikes. But yeah, now this, I mean... Come on. This is so bad. It's not, it's not this good. This is my final statement about it. It was indeed worse than Morbius. I mean, obviously, I've... I've, I've I mean, I've I, yeah. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I mean, I, I've seen more, I've seen Morbius twice. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I, it's, it's, I could, I could make myself watch Morbius again. I would never touch this, even if my well, kids I. Well, oh, I. But you know what? You, well, I did. I did watch Morbius again. I will not watch Book Wild again. <laughs> there you go. All right, that's enough negativity. Morbius is better. All that. Morbius is better. There, yeah. Positive. All right, almost at the final leg here. Here we are. Best movie. 2022 we've got three picks each maybe some honorable mentions just to waste a bit more time um as always a bit of the disclosure i've not watched every movie and there are some movies that i've uh, planned to see and i will wanted to watch before this because i was like you know that probably has potential maybe and the list this list could look different once i've watched all those movies but for now i've got what i've got of course everything comes down to just our opinion and that's it 
that's just to avoid all the hate that we will clearly get. Anyway, you go. <laughs> well, it sounds like I've done less prep than you because I've got top three, no honourable mentions. So I'm just going to go my top three, starting with number three, which I've got to be honest, was quite difficult. And even now, I'm not thinking, shall I, shall I swap them? And do you know what? Do you know what? I absolutely am. I'm looking down. What I'm seeing is my number three is going to be in my number two. I'm swapping them. So All right. what was previously <laughs> number, number three? Well, what is now my number three? The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves. Batman is called to intervene when the mayor of Gotham City is murdered. You've all seen it. I don't need to go through the plot. You've all seen the movie. <laughs> but that's, that's it. The Batman. Um, yeah, this, this was a big one for me early in the year. And here in Perth, Western Australia, COVID was a real thing, like it was in most places. But it was at a time we where my wife... <laughs> no, but the thing is, though, my wife's like, do you know what? Maybe going to the cinema is not the best thing. And I'm like, well, oh no. The Batman is coming out to be released. So I ended up going to watch The Batman in gold class at Event Cinema. So that's, if you're oh. unfamiliar, that's a more expensive, exclusive way, less people in a screening of watching a movie. But I pitched that to the wife and she's like, okay, you could do that. So it cost me more, but I had a great experience, gold class watching The Batman. But it was, I mean, it's a DC film. I'm a DC guy. I couldn't miss a film like this on the big screen. So I found a way to watch it, and that was gold class. And, I mean, the trailers, everything about this movie leading up to the movie, I was really, really excited. I've pushed it to number three from number two because beginning to end in the cinema, loved every minute of it. And it's not short, two and a half, three hours, however long. It's a long film, but loved every minute of it. Picked it up on Blu-ray, watching it with a wife. She tried to watch it in multiple sittings. In the end, she tapped out and she gave up. So I probably watched that the last hour by myself. And it does drag. It does drag that second time. But it, it's like everything that worked that first time, what makes it a really good film, is still there. But you've seen it. You've seen it. There's... Even though it's a long film, again, I can't confirm the exact wrong time. It's a long film. Not that much happens, really, but it is a really good film. Talking the direction, the cast, the writing, the score, everything. And that's why it has made our top three, but it has been bumped last minute from second place it's a third place because it. that's, else. that second viewing, that, that second viewing, like honestly, if I'd only watched it at one time, it could have pretend when well, it wouldn't be the number one, if I'm honest, but it could have definitely been second place, but it's really good. It's like everything that I loved about it, that first viewing is still there in that second viewing, but it's a different experience. I'm very much excited to seeing what Matt Reeves, Robert Pattinson does next with that sequel. It's a great film. 
no dispute in it. You pick the score for your favorite soundtrack of the year, and it's valid. But yeah, that second viewing. So it's my it's my number three. Yeah, look, the Batman is a good movie. <laughs> that's, that's it's a very it. good movie. Um, all right, now this is going to come out of. Uh, it's going to seem very bizarre, but I'm I'm doing it. Number three, I'm picking this movie. Before you judge me, I just want to say I just went in and I was like, I just found myself having the best time watching this. It's a funny movie. I just had so much joy. But don't judge me. But my number three spot, the third best movie of 2022. Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Have you watched it? You're making a face. You're making a face at me. Not yet. I want to, yeah. but I've not seen it yet. Oh, it is. I mean, how can I explain it? I mean, it's it's a biographical movie about Weird Al Yankovic, but I mean, it's it's completely bullshit. <laughs> it's and I didn't realize this until about like half an hour into the movie. I'm like, okay, things are happening that just are well. Just I do. I do know with, without seeing the film, just like his songs. The film it's is said a, to be a parody. It's not true. Yes, I do know that much about of, it. It's it, it's a parody of biographies or biographic films. We've got Daniel Radcliffe starring as Weird Al, um, as he as he grows into his adolescence and then becomes a rising superstar and dominates the world and has a love affair with Madonna and. I was going to keep saying things, but I guess I'll just leave it because all the other things that happen. Um, so obviously everything is just completely overinflated. And it's just, I, it was just such an experience watching this film and then just discovering what the movie is and just, just going through all the motions of just the things that are happening. And Daniel Radcliffe, just crazy as just a funny just a funny dude in this role as Weird Al. It, for some reason, it's just a perfect match. Um, it's just a crazy, zany movie. And again, I can't believe it, this is landed in my top three, but it, it just it just gets full marks from me. It's just every moment is just laugh out loud. Um, it's I think it's just the fact of like I haven't ex- you know, like watched a comedy film in so long that's just delivered frequent, constant laughs throughout the whole thing. Um, so yeah, it was just such a such a moment. I'm worried though now. Every time that I'm like, oh, this is such an amazing movie. When you eventually do watch it, you're like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I do. I do want to see it. Like going back, you know, back in the day, Weird Al spoofing Michael Jackson, the opening of Spy Hard with Leslie Nielsen. So yeah. I, I do want to see it. And Daniel Radcliffe, when you when they first released images of him as Weird Al. I do want to see it. I just haven't got around to it yet. But the fact that you've included it, I mean, I don't know if I believe you. <laughs> you've included it in your top three so favorite crazy, movies yeah. of the year. I mean, it sounds made up, but it's very fitting with Weird Al. So I definitely want to see it. I want to see it anyway. I definitely want to see it now. All right. So your your number two that stole the spot of the Batman. It's Clerks 3. It is Clerks 3 written, directed, edited, produced, starring (laughs) Kevin Smith. It is Clerks 3. Uh, We 
recently did a catch-up review, and the two of us gave it five out of five. It is yeah. such a great movie. Hopefully, people have seen it. If you're unfamiliar, after suffering a massive heart attack, Randall enlists friends and fellow clerks, Dante, Elias, not necessarily clerks, but Jay and Silent Bob to help with him to make a movie about his life at the quick stop. It is fantastic. It is excellent. And I did put it as number three. And I was thinking, my top three, each of them, I've seen twice. The Batman is the one that didn't hold up that second viewing. Number one did. Number two, absolutely did with Clerks 3. And that's why I decided to shuffle them. Clerks 3 is fantastic. I mean, we did a full review recently. It is such a good film. And, yeah, I'm really happy that I'm able to place it number two in my second or top three favorite films of the year. Yeah, and that clicks three. What, what, what more is there to say? Yeah, like you said, we both gave it five out of five. The 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 comedy, the the emotional ride, the the gut punch at certain points in the movie. I won't tell you when <laughs> for those who haven't watched it yet. Um, just so much. I mean, a movie that can make us cry. Um, that's why this movie it's not on my top three, but it is one of my honorable mentions. Was um was click three. Um, what I'll say is that my number two is the batman and look there's not much more we can say i love the score um you already mentioned sort of sort of characters it, it is a batman film that i think just felt the most like a live action batman the animated series or, or something similar you know like just a there's a lived in goth and there's characters that are already in existence running around doing their thing um Batman is a detective. He's got some gadgets, but they're not ridiculous. The eyeshadow thing, like under the cowl, like finally they've somebody's addressed it. Um, the paint, like Colin Farrell's penguin performance, uh, the the Riddler, Paul Dano's Riddler, just like it was fantastic. I haven't had that second viewing, so I you, feel like I'm worried. Second viewing, just on that. For me, what really sells it, this is not just another Batman origin story. This is year two. He's Batman for a year before we even spend time with him. Paul Dano, not him as an actor, but the portrayal or the interpretation of the Riddler, still, I'm like, I don't know. It's a film that works I mean, for me as a whole, but the components that make it up, like, did we really need to get Joker in this movie? I don't, there's a lot going on. I mean, yeah, there's things like that. Well, look, the the movie definitely does play more like a like a seven or something, you know, like it does. Yeah, a David Fincher movie. Yeah. But you know, on those grounds, it's just like the the craftsmanship that went into making this movie, the quality, the level of production, the the performances, the look, the tone, the feel, the sound. Like it's just it is up there on the movie, and it's like, and then it's just like, shit, it's Batman! Like, holy crap! And just the presence of Batman, the you know that first moment when you see him and he's lurking out of the the shadows, and it's just like, damn! Like that's like straight away, it was just like I'm I'm absorbed into this, and I'm feeling 
feeling how I should feel when I see Batman, which is scared shitless. Like, <laughs> well, I said during our review, it's the first time ever, and I'm talking all the actors that have played Batman, no matter whether it's Nolan, Burton, doesn't matter. This film, and it's not just the appearance of Batman and the actor, it's, it's the characters reacting to this guy dressed as Batman. It's the first time that I thought, this is quite scary. This is quite intimidating. You've got the boy when he sees Batman and he's just staring at him. And you've got the guys earlier on in the movie, the mugging. And it's just, you feel oh, The raw you power, that- like the, the violence in the attacks. Like, it's just like, this is an angry, damaged and the, person. The efficiency in the blows like yeah again like great <laughs> i picked it as number three you picked it as number two all right your your number one pick here we are we've arrived <laughs> your number one pick best movie 2022 my number one pick was easy top gun maverick i didn't even need to think about it this was just a showing for me that first viewing watched it again at home with the wife and it's it's a weird one because I grew up and I had seen that first Top Gun movie and as I got older, I'd watched it again and I watched it ahead of this new film, but I've never really had this strong emotional attachment to the first Top Gun film. This film, though, this sequel, and we like Tom Cruise from many films, including... <laughs> The Mission Impossible films most recently. But this film just clicked. He absolutely clicked. It just I I can't explain it. Like it just it fired on all cylinders. The film, the cast, the music, the story, everything. It was just yeah, you've got Tom Cruise Maverick, the new recruits. Bad guys, nondescript bad guys, you're good guys. It's just, I don't know, it's a very straightforward film, but the approach to the filmmaking was not straightforward at all. Like, what they did to achieve what they achieved in this film is groundbreaking, and you can see it. Like, when when you're watching the film, there's actors in the cockpits, you're seeing those actors because those actors filmed themselves with cameras in their cockpits as the planes were flying through the air. It's just incredible. You'd expect no less from Tom Cruise. What this film, start to finish, was an absolute experience. And again, first time watching it at the cinema, watched it at home with a wife, and... Even though it was a smaller screen, same experience. It just, it held up. It is such a good movie. And I do like Tom Cruise. Like some people have issue with his Scientology beliefs. I don't care. Like I just look at him <laughs> as a performer. And I, I really, I really don't care. Like nobody turns up like Tom Cruise. Like you yeah, talk about a, the, the era, that's it, era of a movie star, and is one of the last. 
And he, he believes in cinema. He believes in the craft. And we live in an age of streaming where everything is accessible. Do I like having access? Yes, I do. But do I also want big screen experiences like Top Gun Maverick? I do. And Tom Cruise, he definitely promotes that. But take that out of it. As a film, this blew me away. This It was such an experience. And I knew as I was watching it, it would be hard, hard to beat for my favorite film of the year. So when I was putting the top three list together, it was a no-brainer. I started with number one, Top Gun Maverick. I yeah, absolutely love this film. It's now on Paramount Plus, so I'm gearing up for a third viewing, but th- I love this film. Excellent. Number I mean, one. I, I mean, I really enjoy this film. Obviously, we reviewed it. I didn't have that much love as you did. But look, you can't go past the craft in making it, putting together what they did, keeping things as practical as possible, and the stunt work, the visuals, the sound, the music, the just the the cheeky emotions of, like, you know, bringing back, you know, having Val Kilmer and Tom Cruise, like the man hugging, all that kind of kind of stuff. Look, the the romance story in this movie probably wasn't wasn't the best for me. And just like the cheesiness of having, you know, like you know, the son with the same mustache and the singing the same song in the bar. It's like, all right, I see what they're doing. But it's like, would that happen? I don't know. But that's all that I know that's the stuff that works. What are you me. doing? You mentioned this in the review. It's no. okay for a son to have a mustache. <laughs> This really threw uh, you when we did our review. It's great. No, it's because it was the same mustache, the same sunnies. Well, you're talking about the love story with Maverick. Like, this is a guy who he'd had his last chance. That's it. It's over for him. He's not flying anymore. He's got no, no chance at love. That is over. But then he gets another chance. We can't do this again. No. We did this in our okay. review. No, in our review. Character, like, fantastic. His journey. It was just the Jennifer Connolly character. Just, I just, there wasn't much there. But anyway, look, it's still an amazing, phenomenal film. Nonetheless. <laughs> what do you mean? Just, um, wasn't enough there. Like, even though we didn't just, see her, her character was acknowledged in that original movie. They'd had an interaction. So she's not a brand new character. They just nothing to do it, with her being brand new in this movie. I'm just like, there's just I don't know. I wasn't feeling it. But he's anyway, lost. We'll move on. She's no, lost anyway. We'll move on. No, let's talk about Top Gun Maverick some more. No, we had a review. Here's a link. Go for it. All <laughs> right. Before I give you my number one, honorable mentions. Almost made it. This list was actually really hard to come up with. The the whole top three. It was maybe we should just do a top ten and just call it a day. Um, you mentioned Clerks three. That was on here. X, the Thai West film. That horror with that girl. I can't remember the name of. You know the one with the. Let's let's. We need to hear pause. Mia Goth. That's who you're talking about. We need to hear pause. Okay. And we need to acknowledge Pearl the prequel movie because X for me came out of nowhere. An incredible film really is. And the fact that they shot a prequel film back to back and then we've got the sequel coming out soon. I'm really glad you brought that up, but Mia Goth, that is the actress. Her name just slipped my mind, but no, she is in both those films, obviously playing dual characters. Oh, actually playing dual characters in X as well. I don't know if that's as well. In Pearl, 
the final shot of her in Pearl. Why is nobody talking about that? That is <laughs> just phenomenal. Like the camera I, I just mean, stays on her. The range of emotion, like the tear ducts on the girl, like <laughs> it's incredible. Out of those two movies, though, I, I, X is the is the better of the two. But Pearl is yes. still also fantastic. Look, X was so close to being to taking that weird out spot. If you <laughs> maybe maybe yeah. we should have maybe we should have, but. You need to see X first. If you just watched Pearl as a oh, solo film, you're not appreciating what they've done. But them together, right, and other... to get them within a calendar year. But yes, let's, let's move yes, on. My last honorable mention, again, we're not meant to dwell on these, um, The Black Phone. Oh, I let's just... talk about that. <laughs> no, we can't. We can't. But it was good. We did it it is good. very good. Um, just wasn't wasn't enough to get it. But what a, what a great um, little horror flick for the with such heart and stuff yeah anyway we yeah can't dwell but just needs more love it needs more love um my number one spot bloody hell here we go um we're doing it best movie of the year for me um again i went back and forth with this in batman but everything everywhere all at once wow wow so directed by the daniels i know you you mentioned earlier when you brought it up or when we're talking about the posters um you know you're saying didn't quite get there for you to be in your in your top list um but this was just this movie is is nutty, but it was such an exhilarating, fun little ride. And you know what? Out of all the movies that address the multiverse that came out in 2022, as much as I loved well, loved as much as I really, really enjoyed Sam Raimi's, you know, I mean, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Badness. Who's who's brought up Doctor Strange tonight as a top pick? No, look, which which I, is a really good film. We enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. And hey, I did mention it in the, you know, the, the whole in the intro. intro. But look, well, I mean, nobody's movie, picked it for anything. This movie handles the concept of multiverse and does a bit more in terms of I don't know, actually having fun and exploring that idea a little bit more. This movie does it. Um, we've already gone through like a bunch of the actors and stuff in the movie before, so we, I won't dwell on it. But again, like what, especially what, um, what. Peter Kwan's doing like playing multiple roles, different types of characters, well, same sort of character, but you know what I mean. Like, like he's just—he's got so much rain and doing fun stuff. Michelle Yell just like she can do it all. Even Jamie Lee Curtis in the in the scenes that she pops up in, like she is just bringing something to the movie. Like this is. This movie was a delight, and I don't know if there's anything more I could say. It just was a fun ride. I like there's crazy action in it. There's just bizarre sci-fi elements and levels that the movie kind of takes you into. But then at the same time, there are some scenes that are just set in the laundromat, where it's just a family either squabbling, having a discussion, an argument, or just a meaningful conversation that just ties everything together that's just like at the center of all of the crazy bonkers stuff that's that bonkersness i don't know everything that's going on it, there is still just this family issue at the center of it all and that fanny pack man kind of has <laughs> that fanny pack so yeah everything everywhere all at once it did it again i wasn't sure if it was going to be locked into my number one as i was going throughout the year but it kept it just kept coming back and taking that spot so i'm giving it to it 
Got to be honest, did not see that coming. I thought it was going to be a case of noticeable mention, favorite post of the year, an opportunity to talk about the movie. And we both picked it, but wow, I didn't see it coming up a second time. Yeah, no, I, I had it. I had it there. So, all right, cool. Let's do, just before we actually wrap up, our most anticipated movie for 2023. So, we're in 2023 now. We've got some movies coming out. What are we most excited for? I feel as though I should be picking The Flash because <laughs> I really like DC. The Flash is one of my favorite DC characters, but no, it should not be in my top two. Now, let me be clear opening weekend, I'm there. I'll be there. I'm yeah. buying my ticket. I'm watching the movie. But if I'm not thinking about right right now, what have I seen a preview for? Or what have I read about? What is getting me excited? What do I want to see? And The Flash isn't doing it. Michael Keaton, Batman. That's what we're getting. Ezra Miller, Sasha Keller as Supergirl. There's all these different elements. Like, oh, that's a thing I like. That's another thing that I like as a whole. Ezra Miller was a flash. Is that a thing that I want to see? I'll watch it. Is it my most anticipated? It's not. But what is? Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And I've got to be honest, right? This is the film not directed by Steven Spielberg. It's James Mangold. They've been talking about this film happening for the longest time. We've only recently got the title. And I'm like... There's only one Indiana Jones. I know we got that young TV show a few years ago, but the films, Harrison Ford, he's your go-to. You can't go beyond Harrison Ford, but still, he's an older guy now. It happens to all of us. How excited can I get for a new Indiana Jones film? I mean, that last one was the worst of the four that they made. <laughs> but this new one, trailer, hooked. Absolutely, I'm there. The music, looks fun. the visuals, fun. it does look fun. And I'm like, do you know what? And, and that's it. I don't need tights, capes to get me excited. This is an old guy in a fedora, like going on adventures. And I'm like, you know, I, that's it. I'm very interested in this film i want to see it that pulp hero so yeah it's my number two most anticipated of the year cool. so i'll tell you with my with my most anticipated like i'm looking at the movies this year and like look there are movies i want to see and i will see and like you'll be there you know opening night that kind of all that kind of garbage but there's nothing that i'm like i'm dying to see that i cannot wait except for one movie so in my number two spot, I'm literally just giving it to something that I'm like, that looks really, really fun. Looks really funny. Can't wait to see it. Cocaine Bear. Um, I didn't know. <laughs> oh, you you know how I feel about this. It looks like a fun movie. But what are you doing? Number two of the year. That's what I'm saying. That's where I'm at, right? There's only one movie, and I will get to it. There's only one movie that I'm like pumped. I'm like, I cannot wait. I will pay money to see it today if I could. But the I thing is, though, like, our friends at Universal, we 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 will probably be yeah. able to see it earlier. 
oh fantastic all good but yeah cocaine bear like i'm keen like it looks so fun it looks hilarious based loosely based on a, a true or true events or something and do you want <laughs> directed by elizabeth banks i i didn't know that until i was looking into it a little bit more and i was like what the hell i did say so, that i think the last thing she did was one of the pitch perfect movies pitch perfect. I think it was. yeah well what about i think she did it more so oh did she uh, all, the, all the way yeah, but again this is just this one's a bit of a just a throwaway like I want to see this movie. It's coming up. It looks very funny. I'm not saying it's going to be the best movie of the year or anything like that. It's that's just what it is. Anyway, my it, number it, one pick is actually looks, my legitimate choice. Okay, but but this cocaine bear does look good. And you said, what do we watch? We recently watched um, went to an advanced screening of Megan, yeah, and you mentioned that your played. your wife didn't like the look of cocaine bear and i just said I to you i don't think your wife likes cinema because cocaine yeah, bear looks excellent i really want to watch that movie and she was like she's like you're not serious and i was like no i am and she was like i don't believe you i mean she it's not it's not high art it looks <laughs> no, like a bonkers looks like crazy it just looks like, it just looks like a fun time it does i re- <laughs> honestly i really do want to see it I absolutely yeah. it's the first opportunity I get I'll be watching it. All right, but what's your what's your most anticipated movie for 2023? I've mentioned Tom Cruise already with Top Gun Maverick. Mission Impossible. Yeah, Head Reckoning Part 1 directed by Christopher McQuarrie. It is a sequel to Mission Impossible Fallout and is the seventh installment in the Mission Impossible film series. And what a series. Like Those films are excellent. Number two is the one that you could question. Like, hang on. Really? You like that one? <laughs> the John Woo director movie, slow motion, doves. I don't care. I love it as a franchise, as a whole. And... Yeah, no, it, it is. Like it's part one. We're gonna get the next part next year, the year after. Head reckoning. Want to see that film? Just like with Top Gun, Maverick. Cruz is pushing himself. Like he's putting himself in situations that he probably doesn't need to. But yeah, I'm waiting for the day where. Well, I'm not waiting for, it, but like. One day, it's, I'm scared it might happen that we're going to hear that he's been in some tragic accident. But this is the thing, right? Like, he puts himself in situations as an audience you benefit from because visually you can see the difference between what he's doing and a CG effect. But he's like, in real life, he's put himself in situations that maybe he doesn't need to. But I appreciate everything that that he does, but Ambition Impossible, the first movie came out in the 90s for members in the restaurant. What did he say to that guy? And he's coming back in the most recent one. Like, I'm not upset. You, you'd know when I was upset or something like that. The bubble gum, it blows up the thing. It's a whole sequence. And they've got the second movie, but the JJ movie, the third film, which was a lot slower than what was going to follow, but the Mission Impossible franchise is incredible. Yeah, look, really keen, and I'll I'll be there as soon as as soon as it's out. Well, look, my number one, my most anticipated, and look, to be fair, Cocaine Bear is one thing, but um, this is the only movie this year that I'm just dead set like I cannot wait. 
and again i will pay someone and do inappropriate things to them if i can watch it now it just looks so much fun it's perfect the super mario brothers movie it just looks it just looks perfect it's everything i've ever even freaking chris pratt's voice everyone's having a big cry about it but look to be honest you cannot listen to it's a Mario mario all day like that's throughout a whole movie you'd you'd people would start stabbing one another um this is everything i've envisioned about like a super mario brothers movie it like animated it looks exactly like you would in a game they're using the different levels of like depth and climbing and jumping on things he's a plumber you know like they've even incorporated smash brothers and mario kart and all these crazy things that you like they're not just doing super mario brothers hey here's mario and luigi rescuing the princess they are doing the definitive what looks like the definitive mario movie experience <laughs> they're just like mario galaxy mario like it's just just all over the place uh jack black voicing bowser seems perfect uh just uh, it, it just looks delightful it's colorful bright just looks like a hell of a good time i can't wait and i'm hoping it's as good as i've set i've set it up to be in my mind it really it looks like it really does look excellent Uh, based on the trailers that we've had uh, visually it looks amazing but i'm reminded of what chris pratt said before the trailer reveal he'd been practicing and working on his mario voice for the longest time and he's excited to hear what people think when they hear his voice and then you hear it and you're like sounds like chris pratt <laughs> I mean, it doesn't though. it doesn't there's he does we need to hear we need to hear more of it no but he's still doing something to it it's not just his standard voice I mean, ho- you can tell okay now I'm not saying he's doing a bad job, and I'm excited for this movie as well, but he's got such a distinctive voice and personality. It is going to be hard for him to move away from it. I just found it quite comical. Ahead of first hearing his voice as Mario, and he'd been talking about the the lengths he'd gone to and the training and the effort he'd gone into sounding like Mario. And you're like, okay, Chris, what have you got for me? And then you hear it for the first time. He's like, in the trailer, it's like, I, <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, I, I guess he, 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 yeah, he sounds like a cross between Mario and Chris Pratt. And, you, and you're going to get that. But the film itself, yeah. it really does a fantastic. And you're right. You're not just getting Super Mario Brothers. There's Mario Kart, and there's always other elements in there as well. And this is not just a rushed video game adaption. This is by Illumination, who did Despicable Me, Minions, Sing, all those films. It really does look good. It took a really long time for them to get Nintendo on board to do it, following that atrocity from the 90s, which I still find quite delightful. (laughs) Some sick way. Do you know what, right? Bob Oskin shot that film. He didn't know until after he'd finished filming that the film was based on a video game. How? <laughs> I mean, that's like, how is that a thing? How does that happen? Uh, yeah, there's there's a charm to that film. <laughs> no, this is. I mean, like, God forbid if this ends up being bad, like I'll be 
pretty crushed, but I can't see it. Honestly, like I, amazing. I can't this see just it. looks amazing. It just looks Even amazing. Even with the Sonic films that we do like is a live action animated hybrid. And we're like, oh, it'd be nice if you spent more time in Green Hills or more time in the Sonic we're, world. And it was a human world. Get... Whereas that's what this Super Mario film is. It's all Mario. It's not real world. Yeah, great. But look, that will do it. I think that is 2022, and that's it for our review of 2022. I mean, look, was the year good for you? Did you have a good time? (laughs) Any last thoughts? I did, yeah, I did. And, well, funny sound, but I definitely had the opportunity to go to the movies a lot more than you did. But, yeah, no, it was a good year for film and TV and very much looking forward to what we're going to get from 2023 already. We've got an upcoming review of Megan locked in. And it's just hard, isn't it, to take a one year at a time. So I'm thinking what we've got coming out this year, but it's no, we have anything planned? No, we another um, but... big year. I mean, we've got the, what we've said The Flash, Aquaman, the DC film, I mean, mate, Mission Impossible. It's going to be a bit. I still got to catch up on some movies from 2022. Like there's a, there's a list I've got. One of the most recent one, The Fablemans, which I haven't been able to get out and see. I I generally thought I was like, if I do watch that, that might have the potential to crack that top three list. And unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to get out there and see it before. I'm the same. Um, I do this, but I want to see that as well. Yeah, there is definitely some there's films. Some, there's some movies out there that I'm we're gonna, saying. just going to catch that before we deep dive into 2023 but god we'll see how we'll see how we go (laughs) hopefully i have a little bit more free time or maybe even less who knows it's all pretty bad but look that said please go subscribe and download this podcast on soundcloud and apple Podcasts, and please leave us a review it helps listeners just like you find the podcast we are on social media you can find us on facebook twitter and instagram as that film studio podcast and we also have our companion shows, Rewind and Review and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. Thank you all for sticking with us through another year. Uh, we look forward to, to bringing you more content, reviews, news, and all the good stuff in 2023. For the last time in 2022 or whatever the hell you're listening to this, um, you've been listening to Jason and Luke, the guys from that film skew. See you soon. Thank you.